What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 93rd draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved Eric Marchin. Matt, I'm feeling a little down right now. Why, man? Well, my online legacy via Twitter will be a saw post. <laughs> I love it. I love that, you know, a tweet, you know, semi you know, it does pretty well for you. Um, and it has to do with saw. It's my favorite thing in the world. I hate it. I hate it so much. It was a great tweet, even though it was really just an observation about how great Samuel L. Jackson's or how awful his mustache is. In yeah. Spiral the book of it saw, so which you dumb. guys, it wasn't anything of like, like interest in terms of like being funny or it was just, but I, I, I think that's Samuel a, that's L. Jackson a, with a weird mustache. That's a testament, I think, to how great Spiral, a book of Saw, a three and a half star movie um, is and how memorable it is. Because people see that and they go, what a lovely image of Sam Jackson with a mustache that looks like it's about to fall off. Well, it comes down to plan B and Spiral from the book of Saw for best makeup and, and hairstyling uh, for 2021. So Yeah, and much... Yeah, I mean, that sequence almost as grotesque as a Saw movie. <laughs> uh, it's just, oh, God, oh, it gives me shivers. Um, David how you Cronenberg doing? shivers? Yeah, how you doing, Eric? I'm fine. You know, it's uh, it's Monday. Uh, we're getting ready for a big week uh, with the Tribeca Film Festival starting up. And, uh, you know, last uh, time we did one of these regular episodes, we talked about the possibility of Amazon uh buying mgm and uh it happened uh it did like a day after so i mean i just pitched it as like hey we just talked about this even though we weren't sure it was gonna happen but yeah. and then know. can you know announced its sort of main slate of films and it's just good to know that sean penn will be attending so yeah um... thank god thank god <laughs> you know whatever what we really need right now is another sean penn directed movie yes um so yeah we'll be talking about can we'll be talking about a tri Tribeca starts this week. We have a uh, quite a busy uh, uh, June lined up. I mean, lots of stuff this week, man. Tribeca starts. E3 is this weekend. So if you're a video game fan, um, it's the you know biggest weekend and week of the year for video game fans. That starts, uh, you know, I think Thursday or Friday. The first kind of presentations start. Uh, Euro Cup starts this weekend. So if you're a uh, a football fan, a, you know, uh, English football or, you know, the true name of soccer football, uh, fan, uh, Euro cup starts. Ted Lasso so, fan. Yeah. I mean, Ted Lasso, I'm, I, dude, I've been checking the Apple screeners, um, so website like that every for, day for the show. I would love to. Yeah. yeah. We could just kind of do season one and two together. Maybe. Yeah. Um, it depends on what all the embargoes are. Cause if it's week to week, which they might be, then we can review the first couple episodes. Like we've been doing with something like Loki, which you guys can get, uh, tomorrow on Tuesday, June 8th, we'll have our first reactions to Loki, but we were able to tweet out um, our reactions. So go check out those. I don't, it's weird. Like what, what can you After talk about? What you can't like, my spiral tweet, which many yeah. people have and what I'll be known for, for the rest of my life. Sure. Then yeah. go check out our uh, social media tweets on Loki, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Euro cup. So go Germany uh, or Croatia. Cause Nevis, they need redemption for becoming runners up in the last World Cup. That was so heartbreaking for her, Eric. So heartbreaking. I'm I'm rooting um, for uh, San Jose. Yeah, are you in, in the Euro Cup? Yeah, the <laughs> NHL playoffs are still on. Montreal Canadiens are doing 
ridiculously well. I mean, how, I had that. How are the Leafs heart- doing? Man? Not great, Eric. Since the last time we recorded, I think I was excited about the playoffs. Uh, in classic Leafs fashion, uh, you couldn't even, you know, ter- write this in a movie. I mean, we got no. The you, love could. Guru. you could, you could, because it's real it's life. The, and it it's happened. like the love guru. <laughs> um, Do you think the love guru jinxed? The, the chance that's what I've been saying if you win the Stanley Cup again yes a cursed image of Romani Malco in a Leafs jersey uh holding us the Stanley Cup because they win it in that fucking movie spoilers everyone sorry uh, and then um in your Canadian accent sorry yeah, sorry eh? um they win it in that movie so it's a cursed image and the movie is cursed because it's horrible and then Mike Myers made it he's a huge Leafs fan everyone knows it um probably the most uh, there's a lot of celebrities who are Leafs fans, but we don't need to get into that. Um, Will Arnett, hugely fan. Um, I don't know who else. Well, Samuel Jackson's uh, a Toronto Raptors fan. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that um, helps. But you know who we should talk about? Uh, we should talk to uh, Jay Cheel about this when Cursed Films season two comes out because he's been the love guru. On that well, <laughs> he's he's expanded sort of. It's not just horror. It's not just horror anymore. I, I was listening to their last uh, uh, podcast, which was their eight hundred uh, episode. Good lord, I know. Good for them. Um, and he shot um, a bunch of stuff in Chernobyl and Istanbul. Uh, went all over the U.S. and yeah, so like he was talking about like how he interviewed the director of. Uh, son-in-law so the the okay. Shore movie so <laughs> so i mean that could actually be kind of an interesting conversation topic to have if we if we get him on the show yeah are you going to do love guru and tie it into the curse of the toronto maple leafs because since season two, three <laughs> since 2000 when that movie came out seven four i don't know i don't care when? i don't know but the leafs have been terrible since i mean they've been terrible since 1967 so I mean, not even the babadook um, could help no man it's god yeah that's a mike babcock <laughs> reference i i got that after uh no they got sheldon queef now so um it's just uh, <laughs> they, uh, his name from, is Sheld- they went from gay yeah. icon the babadook yeah. to yeah. sheldon, sheldon queef yeah yeah sheldon keef uh no i i like sheldon keef i think they have a, a good hockey team it's just been it's so frustrating eric it's the worst like i don't know why i even do it to myself or why i even care are and you someone, going to do it to yourself again because it seemed like you were t- like you were tweeting online that you were done with the no leaves. my dad said that i mean my dad obviously i he's it's i couldn't i couldn't even imagine my dad was like nine years old or whatever like uh, yeah i think he was nine years old uh, when the Leafs last won the Stanley Cup. So he's had one in his lifetime, but he was nine. My dad is now 62 or something, 63. Um, well, so you basically have inherited his love of that game. Yeah, of course. I mean, I played hockey when I was uh, younger and, you know, our vicinity to Toronto, they're the biggest hockey Did you play it with a cardigan, in, though? Did uh, I didn't, no. Everyone go check out a review for Plan B. It's great. Um no, I, I, I played, you know, ball hockey and ice hockey and, and my dad was my coach and my dad obviously instilled that love for hockey and we're Canadian, Eric, you kind of, I know you don't have to, cause you don't care about hockey, no, but I don't care about uh, sports, but you don't general. care about sports, but if you care about sports and you're in Canada, you kind of have to care about hockey. No. Um, and it's so I interesting with that. Why well, I'm saying if you like sports, Oh well, well you never yeah. know. Could like curling instead. 
Sure. Huge I mean, curling. Men with brooms fan, you know. Cur- yeah. Curling, fun to play, not fun to watch. Um, but then, yeah, the Olympics are soon too. But yeah, anyways, going back to the Leafs, I don't know why I do it to myself, but I will never give it up. I remember someone on social, I, I, I said, I fucking hate Leafs being a Leafs fan. And they're like, then why are you? And I'm like, I, you, you're a masochist. I, yeah. I'm like, I'm from the Toronto area. I loved hockey. I still do love hockey. I'm like, I have to be a Leafs fan. I can't just change. I hate people who just, you know, oh, I'm changing my favorite team. No, you get one favorite team and that's your favorite team. If you're, so you can't you change your else, favorite team. Can you I, change your favorite? I team? don't think you can. If you move to a new city, this is, here we'll get into sports talk with matt Horvick, uh what everyone's coming to the untitled movie podcast for you can just skip um, ahead <laughs> yeah just skip like 48 minutes and then uh you'll get past this if you move to a new city so say me and you move to los angeles um we could maybe then go okay i'm a leafs fan you know deep down but maybe now that i live in los angeles i want to be a la lakers fan or not lakers uh la kings fan they're my lakers, favorite basketball guess, hockey uh, team yeah yeah exactly <laughs> uh la kings fan and i'm like i could see that and you maybe be like oh i live here now so i go to the games pretty often or whatever and like especially because no one gives a shit about hockey anywhere else but canada but i mean you can easily get tickets everywhere else um I'd probably start going to hockey games more frequently if I lived in a different city that was more accessible, but I don't know if I could remove. Yeah. Yes. Um, But I don't know if I could remove myself ever from being a Leafs fan. Like say they introduce a new Toronto team. Like, you know how New York has two hockey teams, the Rangers, the Islanders. So it's big enough. It can kind of have two hockey teams, Um, even though one's on Long Island, one's in Manhattan, whatever. Toronto is big enough and has a big enough hockey market where they could have two Toronto teams and they've been talking about that for a while but they are introducing <laughs> no that would be what would be even worse there is if they introduced a second team and, and then the that second team, team was did good really well. <laughs> yeah it would be the worst that would be the worst thing that could possibly ever happen so like that's why i almost don't want it to happen because then you'll get people who are so fed up with the leafs cheering for that team and you'll get new people cheering for that team but then that brings in some healthy competition right like if you have no one to compete with other than other canadian teams i mean the rest of the nhl but the leafs make the most money out of any team in the nhl they're one of the you know, most valuable hockey teams uh, in the NHL, other than the, probably the Rangers. <clears throat> and their the fan base is definitely the most hardcore. And um, Leafs fans can be like any fandom. Like I find myself in, you know, I always like these things where there's a large group of people who are just shitheads and like it sucks because they kind of ruin it for everyone else, whether, you know, Star Wars fans. Well, it's team Mar- mentality, right? Ma- Marvel fans, Leaf fans, Paddington you know, two fans. Yeah, yeah. Just pieces of shit. No, um, there are those people who are just so they're almost like overly passionate to the point of like just being dicks about. Well, it becomes conservative like, in a weird way yeah. where it's like it's like you know, it's, it's their opinion and you have to align with them. It's like politics. It's like anything. And if you yeah. don't, even if you like something that they like, you have to like so it the way that negative, they like dude. it. Yeah. Or they're just so negative all the time. Like I get, I get why it's so frustrating. I was pretty negative that night too. Cause like Eric, there's no other team in sports. It feels like that suck and as much <laughs> that, yeah, that and lose in this way. It's one thing to just be bad all the time, but they give you like glimmers of hope. And then at the last possible second, 
crush your dreams. And like even dreams for us is getting to the second round of the playoffs. It's it's obscene. It's ridiculous. And like they they've had all these opportunities. There's infamously in 2013 when like they blew a 4-1 lead to the Boston Bruins in game 7 and, oh, and your brother nemesis. Your brother never lets that down. No, he's actually pretty cool about it. But a lot of Boston fans don't. Um and it, that was embarrassing. And like now blowing a 3-1 lead to the uh, Montreal Canadiens when you had three chances to like move on when you have such a good fucking hockey team on paper. And, you know, John Tavares got that scary injury. I think I talked about that on our yes. last episode. Yeah. And he was out for the whole series. So that's like one of your best players and the captain, you know, out for the whole series. So like that's obviously affecting things. But oh man, at least I can go back to my normal life of, you know, going to the movies. Wait, no, I can't, Eric. We can't, although we have lots of stuff to watch and cover, so I can't complain. There's lots of good TV. We'll talk about Mayor of Easttown um, in our now, what we've been watching. And, you know, uh, obviously we mentioned Loki's coming this week and Dave season two comes back. Um, there's some TV that's playing Tribeca too that I don't know if that's going to be screening for us, but um, um, see, I've watched a lot of TV. He's watching The Leftovers right now too. Do you think that Canadians have to be a fan of a Canadian team? Do you feel that if they're a fan of an American team like Kyle is of Boston, that it's a betrayal of, you know, their nationality? No, no, no I don't. I, I think like, I just don't like people who change their favorite team. Like, like jump on, like bandwagoners are fine as long as the team you always bandwagon with, I think. Like if you just, you know, I you get into it because the Leafs made the playoffs. You know what? I get it. You know what? You're not a big hockey fan, but you want to participate. You want to like, you know, it's still fun, right? Well, it's big for like um, the city, right? Like when the yeah. Raptors won. Yes. Like, it was I don't care like, about basketball at all, but yeah. and I'm sure you're the same way, but you feel good for the people who do care and you feel good for the city and, and things like that. I think that's what's best. And, and you know what? If you care because, you know, you just like to participate, then that's totally fine too. And Kyle, like being a fan of the Bruins, or I know like I have some uncles who are a fan of the Bruins. A lot of them, it's because they loved Bobby Orr. You like a specific player, right? And I think like because of the Leafs legacy, I could see a lot of younger people just being like, why the fuck do I want to be fans of this team? Like not that like they just constantly break your heart and are, are terrible that you're like, why would you want to? But the thing is, Eric, how sweet will it be if it ever happens? That's the thing. Well, that's the, like, but, the, but you're if, probably more likely the, to win the yeah. lottery at this point. Than sure. The Leafs are, you know, winning, winning the Stanley, Stanley Cup. Cup. Um, so I don't know. I think as long as you choose your team when you're younger or as a teen or whatever, and you stick with that team. That's my biggest thing. In so sports, do you like, like other teams though? Do you, I do. do you, yeah. Like, like, say like the Leafs are gone now. Are you rooting for anybody else to like do well? I don't, or? It depends. Like there might be some players that I care about or I go, Oh, I would like to see them win a Stanley cup. Or like if it's an older player who's never won, I keep hitting my microphone. Sorry with my glasses, but, um, an older player or maybe a younger player you really admire or there's teams you cheer against more than anything. Like I cheer against Boston. I cheer against Montreal. Um, I don't want to see another Canadian team win. Cause that would piss me off. Cause I want a Canadian, that Canadian team to be Toronto. But right. then I go, Oh, I, I, it's not, wouldn't be that. Is big there a deal one Canadian like, team specifically that you do not want to win? Like, is it the Habs? Montre- or is, yeah, yeah, it's Montreal yeah. for sure. Montreal and Boston are probably our two biggest Watch rivals, right? <laughs> And then, no, Ottawa, they're terrible, man. They didn't even make the playoffs. Um, They're one of the worst teams in the NHL. Um, Anyways, uh, but, like, I don't know. There's certain series that I think would be exciting. Like, um, people want Colorado versus Montreal in the next round because the the Quebec Nordiques, when they used to be in the NHL, moved to Colorado, and now they're the Colorado Avalanche. But then this year they've been wearing – 
Quebec Nordique jerseys as their like alternate jerseys. So people are like, it would be amazing if Colorado came back to Montreal and wore the Quebec jerseys and just destroyed them. And then, uh, <clears throat> and then uh, it, th- we have a possibility this year of getting a Montreal Boston Stanley cup final. Cause usually because of COVID they had to rearrange all the divisions and stuff like that. Um, so all the Canadian teams were in one division and usually you have Western West coast teams and East coast teams in the two conferences. And then the Stanley cup final is always West coast team versus East coast team. But this year, because of whatever, everything's happening, the final four teams are getting reseeded. So you could be playing a West coast team around before you would regularly play them. And you only used to be able to play them in the Stanley cup final or that means two East coast teams or two West coast teams could be in the finals. So there is a possibility that Boston and Montreal meet in the Stanley cup final. And those teams fucking hate each other even more than like the Leafs hate like one another and things like that. And like, there have been some great Montreal Canadian, ask your brother about it, but like great Montreal Canadian Boston Bruins series. And like, I hate both of those teams, but that would be an exciting Stanley cup final. Right. Right. Um, and I actually weirdly prefer Boston to win. Cause they Boston's one of the, you know, the, the most winning sports cities in the world right like like the every one of their teams is always good it seems like like the red Sox, the celtics uh the bruins um uh like every boston team the new england patriots like every boston team has won a championship in the last 10 years and multiple championships so it's like a spoiled city for sports so then so that's kind of like what new york is for the yankees where like it's almost like they they they're successful yeah. but they also like they buy their way into things, but Boston, a lot of things, the Red Sox do, but like, I mean, that's why like baseball doesn't really have a salary cap, but like in basketball, I don't, I think it does, but I don't know enough about it. But like, I think you can pay your way to be really good in basketball. Baseball is the worst because you can literally just buy your way into the best players because you overpay everyone because you have the most money. Right. And the Leafs used to be able to do that to an extent when there was no NHL salary cap because the Leafs had the most money to spend. They're the one that makes the most money. So them and the Rangers and stuff like that, right? So they could always spend the most money on players and they can still do that to an extent, but with a salary cap that's capped at 80, 81 million, every team is on equal playing ground, right? Because you you have to use your budget to sign the people. But Boston, whatever it is, they had Tom Brady for the longest time on New England. The Celtics were amazing. For a great period of time in uh, basketball, I don't know when's the last time they've won, but I don't know. I, I love sports. It's silly. Like, it doesn't really matter. And then that's why I don't like people who take it too seriously. But it does like, in the moment, though, right? Like, it almost feels like you're you're in oh, that yeah. moment where, like, the win or lose, especially if they lose, like, the, the highs are highs, the and high, the lows but the are, lows are so low. Because, yeah, yeah. like, I had, I had a friend in college, and her – her brother was a huge Habs fan, like, like diehard. And mm-hmm. anytime they lost, I've never seen this guy get physically angry other than with losing a Habs game. And like, he would literally flip tables and like destroy yeah. things. And it would only be about like 20 minutes, but it would be like pure <clears throat> rampage. And Nevis says that about me where I don't get to that level usually. And now I've become more like immune to it where I was like, laughing at my tv during game seven like instead of being really upset about it just because i'm like of course this is happening but it's the most emotion i'm not a very i don't emote 
like I think me and you are pretty similar where we like we're not over we're emotional guys, but we don't overly emote. If oh, I implode. Sense. I'm I'm um, one day I'm just going to drop dead because I just keep it all in. No, I know. But I'm similar to the to where it, when you're talking to people or you're watching something, it's not like we emote that often, even watching movies. Like right. that's why I always applaud movies that make me giddy when I'm watching them, because it rarely happens. But like I do really care and, and I and I am an emotional guy, but like sports and specifically the Leafs is the one time where I'm like visibly animated throughout the whole game, especially playoffs like the regular season. I don't really I watch the, every game almost like I watch almost every Leaf game like that's my priority is like I am a diehard Leafs fan like I try to watch every game. Nevis knows that like if the Leaf game's on between seven and nine thirty, that's probably what I'm doing. She sometimes sits with me and, you know, plays Nintendo Switch or reads a book or whatever. And, and the playoffs Tom Nook she, doing right now. Uh, still scamming everyone that piece of shit um anyways we can move past hockey because i don't think anyone listening to this uh maybe cares but um i don't know it's it's interesting that the leafs have been probably the most prominently featured in movies that i think is interesting too with love guru and i think there was another well, except movie when that disney I, created the the, the ducks, well the mighty right? ducks yeah. yeah sorry i i yes actually i take that statement back um the mighty ducks are definitely the most prominent hockey team. But then when I mean like weirdly and jaws, if you include jaws, I mean, San Jose sharks, right? uh, It doesn't count. Yeah. But, um, (laughs) but yeah, yeah. Anyways, I love the Leafs. I don't know what the hell they're going to do next year. And, um, if I ever wrote a movie or something, there'd be some sort of Leafs reference because it's, or I would write it about them. I had an idea, Eric, of remaking sudden death or writing a, um, in this book I wanted to write that every short story or essay or whatever that's in it is involving movies in some way. So a little spoiler to one of the stories I wanted to write a remake to sudden death, but in, in a short story form and have it take place at the Stanley cup final between the Toronto Maple Leafs and another team. Um, and just have it be sudden death spoiler <laughs> they lose yeah oh they definitely do um anyways uh what else is new eric what like what have you been watching well i mean i think we can talk about this um both of us because uh, uh mayor of east town uh recently wrapped up uh its series uh yeah. supposedly this will be and some some people are saying like, oh, it could come back for season two, but it's it's that big little lies situation where we're like, just leave, leave it, it alone. Be. Yeah. But it like it was a one off thing. Yeah. And then you make a second season that's not as good or that no one cares about. And honestly, if you want more of that, go back and watch Brad Inglesby's the the creator of the, the series and the writer American Woman with Sienna Miller, which is a very generic title, but um, it has some of the same sort of story beats and elements in that i remember that was i think that was one of my last movies at tiff the year that it it played and literally it's a it it was originally called the burning woman and ridley scott and ann hathaway were were attached to direct and star in it um but the story is is from the point of view of a woman living in pennsylvania whose daughter goes missing and she has to raise uh her granddaughter and over the course of you know many many years she still holds out hope that the daughter will return or the investigation will turn up something and it's more of a slice of life than it is a a police procedural but there are those darker elements throughout the film that very much sort of feel like this was sort of the the early sort of 
setting the stage for that series or Brad Inglesby was kind of sort of contemplating, okay, well, what if I expanded this into a series and made, you know, the main character a cop instead of, you know, someone who works at a, a diner or, or a dive bar and mm -hmm. things like that. And um, yeah, I mean, like with most series that we're not reviewing for um, the site, it took me a while to get to the show, not because of, of quality or whatever. It's just because there's so much out there. You got there. to it faster than I thought, because usually you'll wait until something's completely done and then months later catch up with it. But this you caught up right before the finale. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to I wanted to watch this before the finale. And you know what? Like spoilers don't really bother me. Like, you know, it's the journey. It's not, you know, the destination. So um, but while watching it, I just I I, I wanted to get hooked into something again. Like I, I think I was I was looking for not that it's as good as the last dance, but like I was looking for something like that because like that that was the show that kind of really hooked me around this time last yeah. year anticipating the next episode and things like yeah, that. And, yeah and 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 i think what this does really well it doesn't reinvent the wheel or anything but as like a classic kind of police procedural small town slice of life kind of drama with you know really interesting quirky characters um you know we talked about this for for loki but i think what the first episode of mayor of Easttown does so well. Uh, and it reminds me of twin peaks a little bit as well, is that it introduces you to the community and the characters and gives you a sense of the environment, but also, you know, what's to come. And it does so through, you know, exposition and character introductions that are, are all very much the tools of a screenwriter, but mm -hmm. it does so in a way that it kind of feels like, I mean, it's it's Kate Winslet giving like kind of the kind of lived in performance that, you know, the great movie star you yeah. know, playing a real person kind of thing does. But she does it very well. You know, she commits to the accent, especially when she says words like home um, yeah. or phone. Um, sounds like actually one of the aliens from the Sesame Street bits that go like phone, sure, yeah. phone, phone, phone. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, but I just think it was enthralling enough in the way that when you pick up like a, a good paperback novel and you exactly, kind of get hooked yeah. into it and you don't want to put it down until it's done. And that's kind of what this does as, you know, a miniseries. And there's a lot of really great performances. I think Evan Peters, you know, shooting this and WandaVision back to back, um, you know, shows incredible range uh, in the kind of role that he plays as, you know, a, a, a consultant that's brought in that kind of is, you know, intruding on, on mayor's turf uh, a little bit, but then like, I really love how that relationship sort of evolves over the course of the series. And, you know, the homages to silence of the lambs and things like that are, are, are really great, but it still is very addictive. And like, again, like a lot of people will say like, Oh, it's, you know, it's, Craig Zobel, who directed it, uh, you know, recently did The Hunt, but also The Great World of Sound and is kind of one of those guys like Z for Zachariah. Z for Zachariah. And it kind yeah. of is from the same cut from the same cloth as David Gordon Green and Jody Hill and guys like that, um, where like he understands pulp, but he he also can get inside sort of, you know, the dynamics of, you know, the characters and especially like this is this show, like the whole time watching this, I felt like 
this was weirdly a feel good show because you feel better about your own life watching these characters. Right. Sure. No, I get that. And I'm, I'm totally with you. I, 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 again, I, I, Nevis and I jumped on maybe episode three cause we heard it, some people start to talk about it and we binged those th- first three episodes in one night. And yeah, I think it's that perfect mix of having, you know, a, a strong emotional core with like a really good performance by Kate Winslet and like what you mentioned, but also, the townspeople and each character being, you know, memorable, even though it was hard because there's so many people in the show to remember people's names. I'm bad with that. But, but they're like, red herrings as um, well. And you've talked about and that's, this before. Yes. So that's my if you're going to criticize something in the show, like I think it's both both a positive and a negative because like I really liked the show for that pulpy paperback kind of vibe where it's like everyone's a suspect who could have possibly done this mystery kind of thriller. Um, but then you have, like I said, that emotional core with, uh, with Mare and her family and like, again, multiple people's kind of backstories and how they got to this moment. Um, but then that pulpy red herring kind of anyone could do it. Everyone's a suspect. This person's a suspect this episode, but then it gets debunked in the first five minutes of the next episode kind of thing is both a lot of fun, but then starts to get like a little silly and repetitive to the point where it kind of hinders the quality of the series of going, okay, what are you going for here? Are you going for a deep emotional kind of drama or a fun pulpy mystery show? Right. And there are some fantastic moments that are surprising and, um, and again, thinking and theorizing about who could be the murderer is a lot of fun, but the way that the show kind of plays out, like I said, with these red herrings, it's constant red herring after red herring after red herring, where it almost becomes a little too ridiculous that everyone is like, well, especially like James McArdle's priest character. Yeah. Oh, that's a huge one. But like, I mean, throughout, there's more than that. There's no, just no, no. Like, but that's one where it kind of feels like when they get you can to see the him, writing yeah. in the room like to me that's where you see we're creating a mystery show. Let's start to put these mysteries and red herrings in here. And it just it, it gets like you said, repetitive. And I just started to kind of laugh after a while, but then it also was like, well, that's kind of fun. Like, it's just like, I, who knows who could do it. It could be this person. But then by the end you start to go, they never really like tied up that, that thing, or they never really went back to that. And I'm like, those were all there just to kind of throw you off. And I don't really love when things are written just to kind of trick you right and they like don't really the have a payoff was. Like yes where exactly can account yeah. for like the time that he was missing like that's never and why he's threatening the other girl and like and, and like some of it is and some of it isn't and a lot of it's in there just to throw you off yeah. right and then like you talked about the priest stuff and even her cut co- or her cousin who is a priest as well yeah um yeah. even the looks he would give like we're just there just to go oh is there something up with the priests or whatever and even in the last episode <laughs> that's my still favorite one. sitcom on fox and, like, is there something up with the priests <laughs> yeah <laughs> God. um yeah coming this fall to fox <laughs> is there um, something up with the priests <laughs> gosh anyways um so that kind of shit and Guy Pierce's character, like, again, he's there for, you know, Mare needs to have, you know, it doesn't need to have a love interest, but like he's there for someone she can confide in and and, and kind of that love tri- triangle in the, in, the, in the in the first half of the season. But 
again, he even feels like the casting of Guy Pierce. Well, because like he's a, a big, herring. he's a big name, um, and he was yeah. a replacement too at the last yeah. minute. And because both Kate Winslet and Guy Pierce worked together uh, with Todd Haynes on the HBO uh, adaptation of of Mildred Pierce, so you know, like watching him, you're thinking, okay, like what's, what's his sort of arc for this show? Is he, I guess that could be a commentary in itself that, you know, you, you, you're, you're taking a male, you know, a, a, a an actor who's well-known and giving him kind of the quote unquote love interest role and seeing how like that plays out, you know, against, you know, where a, a woman usually in that role is kind of given nothing to do. And Guy yeah. Pierce is kind of, that in this yeah and that's fine it's just i feel like it's even, distracting because it's it's guy pierce yeah and i i don't even mind it it's just he's like good yeah I, like I, he's, I agree. he's good everyone's great in the series like julian nicholson phenomenal is the mvp i think um, in this show and especially yeah, I the way agree. that like i think the last couple of episodes like get a little bit clunky with kind of wrapping things up and yeah. again to what you're saying like not everything has to be wrapped up in a nice tidy bow like i like that it's messy and that like ultimately the show is about you know secrets that people have and that nobody is completely innocent of of you know or virtuous everybody has their own thing going on underneath the surface and you know troubled family troubled really, family like, yeah. and exposing those kind of secrets and lies um are there um but there's something about again looking at how that character is written in other types of shows the friend the best friend you know and how that plays out here i think is really really rich and textured and it's a lot of it is because of julianne nicholson who's an amazing amazing actor and has been good in so much for so long and you know like and dowd and compliance which craig zobel directed it feels like this was as much a sort of highlight or spotlight for her as it is the series. And by, by the time we get to those last couple of episodes. Yeah. I almost want to rewatch the series like, and focus really pay more. Attention on yeah. Her. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jean smart, shout out to Jean smart or like I called her Jean fart HBO's Jean fart. Um, she, I mean, so, she's doing so like, she's doing amazing work between yeah. this and Watchmen. Like it's, and then she's also on another HBO max show right now. Yeah. Right? Hacks, about the, right? hacks the better yeah. stand up comedian. And um, so like, God bless Jean smart. Um, she's wonderful in this just plays that mom character So, so well, one of the voices um, on the, uh, the short lived uh, oblongs. Do you remember that? The oblongs really? With Will okay. Ferrell? No, I did not know that. Yeah. Um, shout out to Roy from The Office, David Denman. I, I, I always like he always he he usually plays scumbags too. But well, see, like, that's um, that's what you were talking about earlier, where like the episodes end on cliffhangers to kind of get you hooked for the next one, and early on they kind of you know implicate him in in sort of the murder mystery and that's the stuff that's a little overwritten to the point of being a little silly yeah. like uh, of like just silly red herrings that they immediately it's the shifty eye dog on the simpsons yeah, exactly you nailed it so um even though like i can kind of poke fun at that kind of stuff like i, I really do think that it was a incredibly enjoyable like you know couple hours of tv very like, satisfying kind of, yeah very satisfying and um, I think the emotional stuff does really work and that, you know, trouble 
family kind of thing and like what would you do for your family and you know uh forgiving family and all of this stuff like i think it handles all that stuff really well and it's wrapped up in a really kind of it's weird to say fun but it is kind of a fun it's very entertaining but the character stuff it's it's what you're saying where like the idea that you know how do you pick up the pieces from you know something that's broken and move on and repair it in a way that's not going to be the same and and that's what this is doing as well because it's looking at blended families and like you know family dynamics that aren't quote-unquote conventional to nuclear families that we've seen in television shows time and time again and you know it's not revolutionary in any sense but it's doing it in a way that kind of feels very modest and again like i made the joke that it makes you feel better about your own lives but it feels more relatable now especially the world that we live in where you know divorce is very common you know kate winslet's character being a grandmother you know like it just it's it's one of those things where it's like it there's so many little kind of things like that throughout that kind of make you feel like okay well this this kind of does feel a little bit more again rustic and lived in and somewhat comparable to the real world even though it doesn't really take place in the real world because it is still very much formulaic and there are things that the characters do that kind of sometimes annoy you because it feels like you know they're 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 holding things back whether it be evidence or or you know secrets that feel like okay well in in a situation in the real world you know those things would be revealed earlier or the person would come out and talk about them earlier but they do them to hook you into the story to keep you which i get i get it you kind of have to just let that happen and then that's why i'm not being like overly critical at that stuff because that's television and that's kind of Sometimes you can still have it both ways of being like have a strong emotional core, but then also be this fun, pulpy mystery. Like I love the like you mentioned Twin Peaks and other things. Like it's not weird like Twin Peaks or anything, but um, no, but it has mur- that small small town, town murder mystery. Yeah. yeah, small town murder mystery is just you know a, a subgenre that is just a lot of fun, right? Like you said, like everyone knows one another. Everyone's either related or best friends, and like even the little thing about Mayor being her legacy, being winning that basketball game, which they only kind of touch on at the beginning, but then that's why she feels like she's stuck in this town, right? Like, well, it's I also the like, idea that like, the town is stuck is on stuck that on moment, yeah. right? Because yeah. like that's the biggest thing that's happened in what, like twenty five odd years or something like that it seems like people regularly get murdered in this town right like except we focus on that basketball thing like that's the Um, one good thing that's happened here and like that's like it's almost like she wants to move on but she can't because everyone else won't move on yeah and and i love that stuff but then even going back to you know they're um thinking it's a pattern right with now there's three girls with the same kind of background that have gone missing or or one of them has been found murdered like even that subplot is just a giant red herring right, right. and like well I sometimes I put- it's it's it, it reminded me a little bit of riders of justice where like sometimes things are just coincidence and you yeah. know not like, when it comes to a detective you know detectives usually like that there's that line where it's like you know you don't connected or whatever you don't believe in coincidences yeah. Yeah. but sometimes there are cases where things are i know just but when it's that. in this show with with all this other stuff right. you, it, you just start to see like okay and then it, it, it makes for really entertaining tv but it just goes all right that's a little too 
uh, too much coincidence. Oh, I, I, I meant like, no, 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 no. Yeah. I, I didn't mean it from the point of view of sure. the, the audience watching. I yeah. meant from the characters. Totally. That yeah, way. yeah, yeah. Right. No, I get that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's great. Everyone go check out uh, Mayor of Easttown. Uh, all episodes are streaming, you know, HBO Max if you have it in the US or um, Crave here in, uh, in Canada. Um, so crave streaming hasn't bothered me as much anymore, Eric, but it's still not great. Like I, I I've gone the night like, shots, man. There's so much bad, digital yeah. noise. It's, it's, an, it's, it's so annoying. like before last of us comes out, I need to fix this shit. Um, I don't know. Cause last of us is going to be very dark at times too. Um, and I don't know what to do about it. When I used HBO max for that little time and tested it out i thought its streaming quality was pretty good it has 4k streaming and stuff like that which crave feels like it doesn't even have you know 720p streaming yet um but anyways we're watching the first season of the leftovers nevis and i now I'm, I, i've been on an hbo kick like where i've hbo is such a blind spot for me like there's the odd hbo show that i kind of got into but i don't know whether it was like i never had it growing up or like i just never HBO was never that place I went to for like premium hashtag content. Well, a lot of Canadian broadcasters on the movie network. Well, the movie network or like Oz was on uh, showcase. Oh, really? Back in the day. (laughs) Um, Sopranos, I think CTV had the rights to it, or at least they played it like at midnight or like a neutered version of it. No, no, no. They played like a version of it at 1 a.m. in the morning or something like that. Um, But yeah, HBO is kind of like, I mean, they, they're always priding themselves on they're not, you know, they're not TV, you know, it's HBO. Yeah. It's, it's that, it, that is the first sort of channel that kind of began blurring the lines between. Oh yeah. Prestige television. Yeah. Really? Like, yeah. And, and I, it's just weird. Like I haven't watched Sopranos. I haven't watched Oz. I haven't like name an HBO show. I the probably wire. haven't watched it. Haven't watched it. Name another one. Chernobyl. Haven't watched it, but that's more on, recent. Entourage, Deadwood, watched it. <laughs> Out of all the things you could have watched, yeah. So like Deadwood, that's, uh, nope. Um, it's just it's again. You put a dartboard with all HBO shows. I'm probably hitting something I haven't watched. But and, you've watched um, True Detective and and yeah, Watchmen more recent Watchmen, and, yeah, yeah, and things like that. Again, when they, Band of Brothers. No. Okay. Um, See, that's where I saw David Schwimmer first because, and that's why I like (laughs) David Schwimmer, not because of friends, but because he plays such an amazing bureaucratic asshole in uh, Band of Brothers. That's great. Yeah. But HBO, so now we we got Crave again because I wanted to watch Mayor of Easttown and, you know, I watch Big Little Lies. So like, again, when an auteur filmmaker makes a series or even, um, I wouldn't say Craig Zobel is maybe a no tour, but you like, watch uh, Curb though, right? Cur- yeah, I love Curb, and yeah. I don't lo- I love Seinfeld, so that's weird. Um, that is weird. And then, uh, yeah, it's very weird. I don't know. Um, with Mare and Craig Zobel directing, like when a director's attached to it that I like, or or something like that, that kind of intrigues me. And then, or I you have there, a like, big name actor doing, yeah. kind of like their first foray into television, right? Like yeah. I know that. Um, Natalie Portman's got like two shows coming up now or, or like one movie for HBO and then an Apple series. And it's kind of like, I remember she, in an interview when she was younger that she got the advice from Danny Aiello off of the set of Leon, the professionalist is like, never do TV kid. That means that your career is almost over. Right. But, but now, think, now that's that definitely not the case, case anymore. Yeah. No. And yeah. I think HBO is the reason partly for, for that. that. And it's not just yeah. HBO because obviously other, you know, cable showcase and have have um, you know amc yeah. showtime um showtime is what i was thinking yeah of, yeah not showcase um, yeah. 
you know, have, have, have all up their game. And now all the streamers, obviously, right? Like who just kind of copied that format. I remember there was that episode of South Park that was really funny where like everybody was excited to watch a network TV show that was a generic cop show, not because it was good, but because it had, you know, at the end of the episode, it had someone saying shit. (laughs) It was literally like a guy at the bar. It's like, Hey, Greg, you have some shit on your mouth. And like, that was was such a huge deal. Remember? Yeah. Like, um, and now it's funny. I go back and I watch, you know, network television. I can't like, I watch some sitcoms still, obviously Brooklyn nine, nine, um, still really love. And the odd sitcom that pops up that's on network television, but even seeing some of the network dramas that are on right now that I have no idea exist until I see a commercial for, uh, for them while I'm watching hockey or something like that. Yeah. It's just, it's wild to me. I'm just like, well, it's, it's for your, it's for your parents and grandparents. Like it's, and, and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with liking, you know, the, the traditional procedural shows like the, the shows that are popular i mean when csi was on that's why they're bringing it back because they're they feel that there's now more but bringing it back as a streaming show though right 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 but but you look okay you got law and order you got ncis you, you have shows like that uh, blue bloods you know like things like that that uh, like every episode is the same exact thing the format is the same but it's addictive because they've you know they've figured out a way to make the formula kind of precise enough where, you know, people will want to tune in because it's not too uh, engaging in a way that it's like, it's not going to demand that much of you. Where like, I think like even something like Mayor of Easttown might turn some people off because it's like, I don't know if I can invest in some of the the, the darker stuff. Is it going to be too heavy? Is it going to be too like, you know, much of a thinker you know i just want something that i can just kind of enjoy as a comfort and and again there's nothing wrong with that but that's what network television has been and always will be there's the the odd occasion i mean like i haven't seen a lot of it but i know that hannibal was one of those few shows that kind of pushed yes i've heard a lot of people really like hannibal um but yeah i can't remember the last i mean amc i guess i still and fx are those two channels that i think are in between you know the HBOs and the streamers and a traditional, you know, cable uh, network show or whatever, sorry, network show versus cable. But like, cause I watch better call Saul and I'm excited for Dave. And like, so I guess to me is like those shows all still have commercial breaks in them and stuff too. Right. But they are more leaning towards the HBO streamer style of, of being, you know, a little bit more R rated and stuff like that. So um yeah i I don't know television is in i've been watching a lot lately and uh, hbo is that thing that i have all this great shit that i just haven't watched so i'm trying like leftovers is what we're watching now and i'm I'm enjoying the first four episodes um a little slow and and very dark um but really enjoying it and uh, obviously being a huge lindelof fan from lost and Watchmen more than his movie stuff but um except prometheus prometheus rocks i i think the guy gets a bad rap honestly but like him and m night Shyamalan are those guys that it's like as soon as they had a misfire or like something that kind of you know because they i mean they're partly using gimmicks right whether it be the mystery box or the twist but as soon as that fails and they become known for those things because i mean obviously jj as well but it felt like damon lindelof kind of inherited a little bit of that with lost um you know like when when it doesn't work or when there is a, a a backlash um you know like people will pick on those those guys and it's it's easy to do but you know when when they're good they're good you know like i think that they do they have contributed some really good stuff i mean like m night Shyamalan, you know i can't defend 
the happening or the last airbender or, or after earth or like he's done a lot of bad stuff like just bad. but he's almost earned like again lindelof another one of those guys with those first couple seasons of lost and now Watchmen even more recently i think those are the things where those two things i love so much that i will give him kind well, it's like of star a, wars right with yeah. george lucas like lucas you know created this gargantuan franchise and you know as much as the prequels are terrible and they're terrible um you can kind of forgive them because you love what everything it else is, is like, in the yeah. world and what it represents and that's why i think like you 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 love you know you love the the highs as much as the lows and it's like hockey like going back to like you know sure, yeah. the moments where it's where it's great. It's, it's great. Really, really, it, it, yeah. There's nothing it's else. The best. Yeah. And yeah. then when it's horrible, it's like you're like, oh, what man. am I yeah. doing with my life? <laughs> yeah. Why? And I think M Knight and Lindelof fall in that category. But it's like with sure. anything as well. Like Batman's the same thing. Like with the yeah. Joel Schumacher movies, like it, you know that almost killed the superhero franchise in general. Yeah. And like yeah. as a Batman fan, like like I remember being so embarrassed, not just by Batman, but by Star Wars. Like after Revenge of the Sith, I remember there was a time where I just did not want to talk about star wars and then when star trek came out and was cool it was weird it was like oh now it, it's like it's worse to be because there was that moment where it's like oh being a star trek fan or being a star wars fan is nerdy but being a star trek fan that's embarrassing and then yeah. there was that moment where star trek JJ made, yeah. made it cool and it's like no now being a star trek fan is cool and being a star wars fan is you know don't talk about that yeah we don't talk about that yeah <laughs> Oh man, love it. Uh, what else have you been watching? Because for me, I'll quickly go through um, the rest of my, I don't I think most of the stuff I've been watching has been for reviews. So you can check out our reviews for Spiral uh, from the Book of Saw uh, and The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. One week was last week. So you guys can check out all of our entries, um, new reviews for James Wan's uh, different cinematic universes. Uh, being uh, Saw and uh, The Conjuring. So I watched those. I did watch Annabelle Comes Home, which I talked about on The Conjuring. Uh, Devil Made Me Do It um, uh, review. Uh, the one thing, because um, I doubt we'll do an individual review for it, but Bo Burnham's Inside I also watched, um, which is phenomenal. Eric, have you watched it yet or no? No, I haven't, but I will. Um, it is so fucking good and he is one of those guys and i have been a fan since like you know his original youtube videos like 16 years ago or whatever and he's one of those guys that you've seen grow and and mature and his style has stayed very similar but he's always been one of those guys that i think is one of the most intelligent creative people working and i loved seeing him get you know other gigs obviously directing a movie with eighth grade which is fantastic but then showing up in a lead role in promising young woman um showing up in little bit parts you know starting with funny people and going through and, and showing up in different kind of comedian-esque roles and different things um his comedy specials have always been great. I saw him live when he first started, like back in the late 2000s or early 2010s, um, or when he started touring. I saw him at Second City in Toronto, I'm pretty sure. Um, and I just think like this show is the perfect, is going to be the perfect time capsule for entertainment in the pandemic period. Like I think it is the perfect, you know, pandemic special that like it's literally it go it will make you laugh you'll see the transition from someone who you know 
seems pretty hopeful to someone who by the end of it is, you know, almost broken and like everything in between. And it touches on, you know, just society and politics and everything like and some is just pure funny some is enlightening some of it you listen to his lyricism and you're just like that guy sees he's just so smart and it's one of those things that you go fuck i wish i wish i was as smart as this guy or as clever as this guy and you it's you're you're jealous when you watch it and you but then you're also connected with it on another level because i feel like he gets people who are in that space of dealing with anxiety and dealing with, you know, wanting to be alone, but also wanting to perform for others and make people laugh. But um, he talks about being uh, why he gave up doing live performing because he had such stage fright uh, that he was having panic attacks on stage. And like, it's very emotional and personal, but then also you listen to some of the, just, you know, the, the, some of the music that he performs and like, dude, even from a cinematography and, just production standpoint, he literally locks himself in it, which looks like they're like not um, not pool house, but um, uh, he's obviously he's uh, his partner is um, the director of Hustlers, uh, Lorraine Scarifa. Scarifa, yeah. Um, uh, and he thanks her at the end and everything, but it looks like he almost locked himself in their pool house and did this alone, and he does the whole entire thing alone for an entire year, obsessing over it. And you see his obviously his appearance changed throughout and his kind of even his tone changed throughout the whole thing. But he does everything himself. He taught himself how to use the camera. And it goes back to his like YouTube days of when he was sitting in his bedroom, just shooting himself at a piano, making up, you know, lyrics. And it even touches on um, how he looks back at those videos. And he was, you know, not at like an Anthony Jeselnik kind of shock comedy um kind of stage but he he was very offensive right like in a lot of his lyrics when he was younger he was always making a statement and i always think it leans more towards the sashin baron cohen offensive than the anthony jeselnik offensive where it's kind of I, calling out the the hypocrisy yes, of by the being yes thing, by saying and like look at me do this this yeah. and it's satire right yeah. so like you can be offensive if you're making a commentary on something and it's something we covered in our borat review and i feel the same about Bo. but Bo went back and he looks at his old work and there's a moment where he projects his first video on a thing and he does a song about you know kind of like being canceled or how he he should be because of this shitty things he's done and said and like it's just fascinating stuff like that. But then you have a song called white women, white woman's Instagram, and it's just making fun of white women and, and their Instagram. And like, so it, it kind of balances this juxtaposition between being really deep and emotional and then also very silly and classic Bo Burnham stuff. So I think it's one of the most impressive things and just seeing his lighting and the way he shoots things. And he did this all himself is just one of those things. You're just like, I mean, maybe if I was locked in a room for an entire year, like I could make something that wouldn't even be a 5% as good as this, but like, I can't obviously play music or write music or anything like that. But like, I've always liked this guy cause he's of similar age. He's, you know, he's the one year younger than me. He's Davis's age. Um, uh, his 30th birthday happens in the special and it's just kind of depressing and, and just sad, but also funny. And like, um, he talks about getting older and, and I just feel like I kind of grew up as the same age as Bo Burnham and always have liked him since he was 16 and I was 16. And it, so it's been 
so much fun following his career. And I mean, I did in college uh, in a children's literature class, we were supposed to write a children's novel. And I remember going with my friend, Carlos Wilde, who was a musician. And we went to our teacher and we're like, can we make a children's rap album instead? <laughs> and, and that was because I loved Bo Burnham and just like, and he was one of the reasons why kind of we both wanted to do this where you could do something that was like serious but also funny so we took three different children's nursery rhymes and turned them into like raps and ma- put out an ep um like a, a hip-hop ep of us rapping these children's raps and then wrote an original song called uh, the ballad of craig the muffin and in in the ballad of craig the muffin um it was about a muffin who did too much sugar and turned into a cupcake and it was just drug references throughout the whole thing um about doing cocaine and i've never done cocaine in my life but i thought it would be funny to write about a uh um, a muffin that does too much sugar and he turns into a cupcake Oh, I get the metaphor and he learns, now. <laughs> and he learns, he learns that, you know, don't do too much sugar because uh, it will ruin your life. Um, so anyways, and then we got like, we got a great mark. So any, that's like a little aside, but like, I don't know. And then every one of his specials I thought gets better and better. And then this one I think is one of the best movies I have seen this year. And I will call it a movie, um, even though it's not a traditional stand-up special or anything. Like, I think it is a movie. Um, and I think it's phenomenal. One of the best pieces of content um, that I've seen in a very, very long time. Yeah, I'm I'm it. looking forward to checking it out as well. And, um, you know, I'll make an observation between him and Sasha Baron Cohen and a very astute one. They're both very tall. Um, yeah, they are. Yeah. No, Bo Burnham, like I, I interviewed him for eighth grade and um, I spent only about like maybe six, seven minutes talking to him. Um but in doing so you got the sense that he was somebody that you know was very genuine with what he was interested in but also wasn't all about talking about himself and that he liked the collaboration process and like i I remember when we were talking our conversation went to you know not just the film but to you know sundance that year because that was the same year that hereditary uh came out and i and i told him that you know there are scenes in eighth grade that gave me the same amount of anxiety that hereditary did and so we started talking about ari aster and then we talked about the apu trilogy and uh the before trilogy and things like that and um he just seems like one of those guys that is always kind of interested in what's going on around him or at least is trying to continue to better himself as a person which i uh, i kind of like uh, quite a bit and then mm-hmm. it's just it's also fascinating to think that like bo burnham and donald glover these two guys that had these kind of youtube comedy careers you know with 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 donald glover being in, in Derek comedy and now they're kind of like these huge you know bigger names I, I, donald glover probably a bit, bit bigger with childish gambino but like the the idea that they started making these like stupid little videos for college humor or you know their instagram or vine accounts and things like that and now they're you know the voice of a, a generation it's 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 really fascinating because like i every time i see you know donald glover do something really interesting um i always think of like their weird Derek comedy 
riff yeah. on Memento. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's what I mean. They were these weird kind of nerdy kids that, um, you know, I think you, we've seen them kind of grow up too and become more mature. And then you're seeing that sharp intellect they had as, you know, teens almost now as men now. And I feel like they have this look on the world that is really, really interesting. And I, I totally agree with you both guys. Um are fascinating and i can't wait they're still so young too they're both like again I, like i feel like i'm young still i don't know i know there's like we have but... to take 12 steps back for you know logan paul and things like that oh, but it always makes me feel good that you are know, we someone... gonna talk about that boxing fight no, yesterday we're not. <laughs> i'm only referencing it it's like you know for every for every bo burnham or donald glover we get 45 Logan Pauls, Logan Pauls. <laughs> which is unfortunate. Yeah. But you know what? Like, I mean, at least we get a couple diamonds in the rough, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree. And not to say that you know, like YouTubers or people that are online aren't creative or, or, or can, you know, make that transition into other mediums. Like it's, it's, I think it's open season. Cause like, you know, the, the opportunities to make something and put it online are better than, you know, when kids were getting super eight cameras and sort of playing with them in you know, in in the sixties, seventies and eighties where like, you know, the Spielbergs and Francis Ford Coppola's, you know, were doing that kind of thing. So, you know, the opportunity to create something and, and, and bring it to the world is, is worthwhile. And, you know, you don't want to, you know, write it off just because it's posted on YouTube or, you know, that it's coming from somebody that doesn't have, you know, a certain background. It's not, that's not the way to go about it. It's just, it sucks when someone takes advantage of, you know, these opportunities and turns it into this, you know, freak show like Logan Paul has. Yeah. With God. <laughs> uh, what have you been watching? Well, um, other than mayor of East town, I've been uh, throwing on and I'll, I'll go through these really quickly. Um, I've been watching uh, some stuff on Amazon and on Netflix. So I caught up with two um, time loop movies. Um, and there's something about that sub genre that I never get tired of. Yeah. One was better than the other. So I watched Joe Carnahan's boss level, uh, which has its moments. I actually really liked Frank Grillo as the lead. Um, the dude is ripped. I don't think he's yeah. eaten bread in like three years. Um, it's fun in terms of like playing up the video game angle for the, this version of it. And like, it's a lot of post-production blood and gore and, you know, casting Mel Gibson, you know, giving him, you know, that opportunity is questionable, but he's playing a villain. So I guess it kind of works for, for that. Um, but I just found it to be just kind of like an easy watch. It's just that Joe Carnahan's one of those guys that is like, you can tell like, you know, he has to add in like his own two cents into the script because it's not just his screenplay. So like anytime Gibson's character talks, he always says like, or he has like a line about like damn liberals and things like that. And you're just kind of like, <laughs> Yeah, and I think I think Joe Carnahan's probably more of a moderate. Yeah, but, but like I look at him and I look at like um, you know, uh, what's his name, Craig Zoller. Um, yeah, and like those guys, they're talented. I think Craig Zoller's actually made a, a couple better movies than than Joe Carnahan. But Joe Carnahan, like the gray to me, he that is an anomaly in that guy's career. It really is. Isn't it? Because it's, it's, it's a, I think it's a perfect movie. I think for, for what it is as a survival thriller, 
it is amazing. Like it is like exactly what I want out of one of those films and Frank Grillo being in it as well. Um, and also there's a dig in boss level at Liam Neeson being a, a fake tough guy, which I thought was kind of weird. I don't know if it was like a passive aggressive, like compliment or it was like tongue in cheek. It was, it, it was bizarre, but, but the gray, like you look at the gray and then you look at like, you know, smoke and aces and narc and the A team and stretch, and you're like, some of them are. I will argue that are like fun, but not some are fine. Great. But 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 the gray is on this weird level of like like it's legitimately good. <laughs> yeah, where like some of these are like boss level is okay. Um, smoke and aces I found obnoxious. It um, is obnoxious, but as a teenager I liked it. Yeah, but... and it, I mean it's the same thing with David Ayer. Although I don't, don't think David Ayer's ever made a movie that's on the level of The Gray. Like some people do, like you know, parts of The Fury. I, I think Training Day, script wise for David Ayer is is great, even though that's Anton yeah. Fuqua who directed it. But yeah, I. I thought it was fine. I thought it was fun for what it was. If you have Amazon prime and you're into that genre, then go for it. The other one that I watched that I liked a lot more that kind of was fun and, and, and light, but also had some kind of interesting things to say and kind of maybe is in the shadow of Palm Springs is the map of tiny, perfect things, which is not a great title. It's very kind of cumbersome to even say, um, but it's about, you know, these two kids who are both caught in a time loop that kind of come together. And it's from first the perspective of, you know, this this teen guy who's kind of, you know, really nice, but kind of, you know, just living the same day over and over again to the point where he just doesn't care anymore. It's not necessarily he's not burnt out like the way that that Andy Samberg is with it. He's just kind of more like casually kind of living each day again and again. And then he kind of meets up with, you know, um, you know, this young girl who's played by um, Catherine Newton, who's who's really good in the movie. Um, and it sort of becomes this really interesting friendship of them trying to navigate this day and find the little things that make up, you know, a, a great day or what could make for a great day. Like those little sort of things that are serendipitous and, and not necessarily like you know the 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 routine of of going through the same day over and over again the things that kind of are you know small but are are things that kind of like get you through it and i yeah i i I, it won me over like i was completely charmed by it and i think partly it's because of the mechanism of the 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 plot but also i think that the performances were were really charming speaking of eighth grade josh hamilton who played the dad in eighth grade is the dad uh in this uh to kyle allen's character um uh there's a couple of really really fun single take sequences uh that sort of you know bring you into the uh the the format of it of, of you know everything happening that's this character's done it a hundred times so he can kind of catch certain things and like the way that they kind of lay it out in the in the in the opening sequence in this single take is so much fun uh, and they do that a couple of times and i just think it's something that i haven't gotten tired of yet gimmick wise i just kind of I've, i enjoy you know the living the same day thing being trapped in yeah, a situation same. and it's like the it's like it's like any kind of like you know, um, time travel paradox stuff where like you can kind of look at it and poke holes in it or, or sort of look at it from sort of like a, an analytical point of view, even though obviously it's not real, but it's, it's kind of fun to watch those movies. So, yeah, Yeah. no, I totally agree with that. Yeah. So that's about it. And, and, oh, I I rewatched urban legend. Uh, (laughs) I just threw that on because it's on Netflix now. And, um, 
I don't have the Screen Factory Blu-ray. Uh, and I just, it's, it's, it's one of those, those late nineties revival slasher films after scream. Um, I think Neil, yeah. Neil H. Uh, Moritz is Moritz, one of the producers yeah. who also produces the, the fast films and produced several other movies like this. And it's directed by Jamie Blanks, who also directed another one of these called Valentine with David Boreanaz. Um, right. but, but, but <laughs> this God. is terrible. And I, I barely remember urban legend, but I urban do remember legend, it. Well, yeah. the, the one scene I remember from urban legend that like, I, I remember watching when I first saw it was the scene with, um, Robert England as an urban legends folklore teacher who yes, brings up, right. um Joshua Jackson to do the um you know the the pop rockets and then drink <clears throat> pop afterwards right and like your stomach's mm-hmm. supposed to explode because it's like one of those urban legends but partly the rewatch was because it was Friday night and I just wanted to watch something that was like you know cheap and and cheerful uh like you know mcdonald's or something like that but also because of jared leto's recent comments of saying that he didn't remember even making the movie but he's the co-lead of the film with alice witt and like that just like, seems like something that jared, jared leto, leto would say. yeah he's literally in 90 percent of the film and the other yeah. thing that i guess is kind of interesting is that it was shot in um vancouver and you can tell there's a couple canadian actors like julian richings um who's in it so um yeah i mean like it's it, i don't have the same nostalgia i do for even though like I don't think I know what you did last summer is good, which is also, I think produced by uh, Neil H. Mortz um, mm-hmm. is good, but there, there was that time when scream came out where like, yeah. they just started making all of these kind of slasher movies or whatever. So yeah, it was kind of interesting to kind of watch that and be like, Oh man, they made two of these. <laughs> well, three, <laughs> they made three, they, the, two sequels, three films in all, but it's yeah. That period is fascinating with those movies yeah for sure uh let's move on to some trailers uh what do we got this week we covered last night in soho live on our last show uh so i'll go after that um you know what i i've weirdly uh been out of the loop on trailers lately like there's some that i just want to skip out on because i'm like we're close enough to them like the new soderbergh movie um drop today the new trailer where it's playing tribeca and we're pretty close to that so i'm just like mm, let's just i i don't know if i need to watch that but um it's like with talk- tiff right like anytime where we attend tiff or or last year with the virtual aspect of it like you get a lot of trailers dropping during those two weeks and usually during those two weeks we avoid them because we yeah. want to just watch the movie at that point like false positive i never watched the trailer for either. i did i was just oh. because i was curious about the tone of it i didn't yeah. watch the soderbergh um trailer and i think i'm just gonna skip it and just wait and watch the movie but usually i give in to i usually uh, give in peer to, pressure yeah. or social media pressure when it comes to these things but yeah i, I haven't I didn't watch. So what did you think of the false positive trailer? Are you excited to see it? Yeah. I mean, like it looks okay. There's one shot in it that kind of worries me a little bit that kind of plays into like the, like the screen gems horror of it all where I'm like, Oh no, like I hope like there's not too much like visual effects there, but like it's, it it kind of, it's riffing on Rosemary's baby, but specifically I've I've talked about it on the regular show when I rewatched it. Uh, There's a Roger Corman produced film, uh, called the unborn from the 1980s and I'll, I'll talk about it probably more when we review false positive um but it just reminded me quite a bit of that and i'm curious to see uh josh hamilton's in that as well weirdly oh, is he? So, he's in everything uh, good for him um so I, i'm excited to to see how that will compare to it yeah yeah 
Um, did you watch the Tomorrow War trailer? No, I didn't. I didn't either. <laughs> I, nope. I I've talked about this, and like I used to love Chris Pratt um, when he was, you know, character actor Chris Pratt, um, you know, schlubby friend Chris Pratt, and then I even like him, obviously, as Star Lord in in the both Guardians of the Galaxy movies. And then I don't know, like I think when when Passengers came out in and Jurassic even, World, and Jurassic World to an extent um i've since gone back and rewatched jurassic world multiple times and i unfortunately and then um i've seen passengers just the one time and i just started to go like chris pratt is not a good actor and he's not a movie star and like i think they're trying so hard because people loved guardians so much and that you know he was so well received in that that they are shoving him down our throats and it's not like he's in everything but just whenever he shows up in something that's not star lord when he is the guy in the movie and even like magnificent seven to an extent because he was one of the main people in that movie even though it was an ensemble I just like I can never buy it and I just go this guy seems like he is trying so hard so hard to deliver this in a way that is believable but I just never believe it so when the Tomorrow War trailer and I like alien invasion kind of again weird time travel stuff um, but I just was like I don't I'll watch this when it comes to Amazon. I just don't, <laughs> I, I don't need to watch this trailer. Like I'm not excited to watch this trailer. So I didn't even bother. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you on the Chris Pratt thing, but that's Hollywood in general. I mean, like, Fair. like an example of another a perfect example of that. Although I think he's a much better actor than Chris Pratt, but he's not a movie star. But when Colin Fer- Farrell was in, Tigerland, Joel Schumacher's movie, Steven Spielberg went to the editing bay because Schumacher was saying, this guy's the next big thing. And Spielberg went to the editing bay to watch some scenes from the film and said, Joel, you're right. And I, and, and cast him in a supporting role in minority report. And after Spielberg saw that and, and news broke out within the industry, everybody started casting him in lead roles for like from like 2001 to like 2004 or five and trying to make him kind of like a, a matinee idol movie star of that time period. And it became to the point where it's like, he, it's not working. Stop making this guy, you know, stop forcing this guy on, on, on moviegoers. He's not, he's not a lead in an action film or, you know, a big studio blockbuster of any kind he's a great character actor um, and he's really good in lead roles in smaller indie movies. And then that kind of killed him off until in Bruges and then in Bruges comes about and then kind of revives him again. And then you look at his career. Now he takes supporting roles. He takes leading roles in smaller movies that he can help, you know, an up and coming filmmaker get made and he's doing really good work in those movies and i feel like with chris pratt like you mentioned you know like chris pratt is amazing in moneyball her and zero dark 30 and they're smaller roles but he's like especially in her he he's fantastic in in that bit of time and i agree like he's he's a lot of fun as star lord and that's the breakout role but that's also the yeah. reason why We're hollywood is, this, is yeah but that always happens i mean it happens with action stars where it's like you know after you, you know steven seagal it was like let's find every 
actor actor you know in parentheses who has a little bit of you know talent with presence yeah. on-screen charisma and and knows a martial art you know like that, oh fair it, that, then you're talking about that yeah, yeah charisma yeah. But, yeah. But, but but also it's the same thing with comedians where yeah. like a comedian hits in a movie hollywood will put them in every single comedy until they kind of burn That's out true. where like we Zach watching, Galifianakis is a perfect example of that. Jason right? Siegel, yep. um, I would say is in that, uh, even, I mean, his, uh, Pratt's co-star Jennifer Lawrence mm-hmm. in, in passengers, like that was the peak of, I think Jennifer Lawrence as well. And then now she's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, faded away a little bit i think based sort of her choice almost yeah she was kind of getting sick of herself but i think like i think jennifer lawrence unlike those other she's a good actress she's she's a movie star and and she's a and she's a great actor and when she does she's got a few things that she's working on so when she comes back she can be reintegrated where i think when you know when Chris Pratt ultimately fades out of being a lead, I he'll come gonna, back, but he'll yeah. come back as a supporting player again, and that's yeah. where he'll work best. Because once Hollywood gets <clears throat> bored of him or realizes that it's not working, they'll dump him, and there will be a couple of years where he's not in a lot, or he picks roles he's that only are like doing Guardians, or yeah, yeah, or he picks small supporting roles yeah. that is kind of like, oh, that's weird. But then he'll like Colin Farrell find those roles that are good for him you know yeah and that always happens with with... and that's totally fine it's just right now i'm a little pratt out like i'm just ready to have a pratt fall (laughs) yeah i I just so that's why i didn't even bother with the tomorrow war trailer i mean we'll we'll still watch it and review it and i'm going in with an open mind i hope he's fucking awesome in the movie like i hope he's great it's just like i don't know you start to get you're like all right dude like i've given you enough chances now like you do work in these things but like when i see you as like the the guy in the movie i just don't buy it and you need to prove me wrong and i hope he does prove me wrong but it's just he hasn't so far other than star lord yeah and And even if he was doing something smaller i think like like the same kind of concept but like a smaller movie that's being released by VVS or something like that. Not shit on VVS, but by like, like think, an interesting young filmmaker or something like that. Yeah, or, I don't or know, not like even or... that. Like you look at someone like Jason Statham, like Jason sure. Statham can go and make a hundred of these action. And you're movies. kind of like, all right, dude, we get it. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's, I almost applaud you for it. You're yeah. making money. You're doing your thing. Like, but you're not you... necessarily the lead of like a big a studio big, yeah. blockbuster. Yeah, exactly. Um, we got the trailer for, I mean, speaking of M night Shyamalan, we were talking about him, um, uh, that we always want to give him a chance, you know, and a guy who makes a very good trailer M night Shyamalan. So, uh, he's adapting a, uh, French graphic novel, I believe. Um, yeah, I think it's Sandcastle. Yeah. Sandcastle. And he's making old and we got our first, we had a teaser back at the Super Bowl. Um, and now we have a um, <laughs> perfect time for, yeah. for an then, Shyamalan trailer. And now we got our first full trailer, uh, great cast. Um, I'm really intrigued by the premise of, you know, this beach that, uh, you know, mysteriously makes people age rapidly. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I really, really dug this trailer and I, I hope it doesn't give away too much. And I don't know how you make a movie out of this concept. And maybe cause we've seen a lot of the kids aging, you know, pregnancies births caves that won't let you go you can't escape this beach like i don't know if they've given us too much already but um well they haven't revealed what the creature is yeah exactly and that's what i'm in the graphic novel it's a giant sand crab 
Uh, is that actually no. true? No, <laughs> I'm okay. just shitting you. <laughs> I was like, that, I'm like, you just spoiled it because that might be it. No, no, no. Uh, that if would be amazing. Is, <laughs> if it is, I, I honestly was just making uh, okay. that up. <laughs> yeah, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I was thinking um, like, it's just like basically the end of, of uh, it because yeah. the other person that M. Night Shyamalan reminds me of so much is Stephen King, where I think Stephen King has great had premises, like yeah. great premises, the follow through doesn't always work, but I will say this King, I think has had more highs than M night Shyamalan because for, for yeah. every, for every <laughs> dream catcher, there is a carry or a Shawshank or, you know, a shining where, M. I mean, Night's when you put out as much as of, of, M night would have to put out three movies a year and then one in every 20 be a, a banger. And then you'd be on the Stephen King level. <laughs> yeah. Like, but, but yeah. to be fair, I mean, like M night has been a guy that's, I mean, since Lady in the Water has been producing his own stuff. So, you know, like- I applaud him. And I always said that, like, I, I feel like he he needs to work with a screenwriter. And yep. I mean, obviously that didn't work. I agree work with, with you 100 percent. Like, and obviously, that I mean, Gary Whitta writing After Earth and like that. Didn't but I feel After Earth like, was just a more a, like a if, gun for hire, hire kind, kind of thing, thing. even yeah. though his name is attached to it. I feel like that's the one where it's like, OK, I'm at a point in my career where I've had so many duds and. I'm attaching I need to myself just do something to with Will Smith. Will movie. Smith, yeah. yeah, yeah. I agree with that. But I've always said, like, I would love him to be story by M Night Shyamalan, written by some great writers, or written <laughs> so by like, M Night Shyamalan, and but with someone, right? Yeah, but yeah. it's like it's like the same thing with with Terrence Malick. Like, I would love Terrence Malick to work with a writer or. Uh, an editor who can sort of rein him in when they need to and not to stifle his creative process. It's not doing that. It's just saying like, okay, like, is this fully developed enough for a feature? Is this like, let's, let's take some more time to really get down to it because I feel M night's like Stephen King where he'll latch onto an idea that is really intriguing that interests him to a point. And then he loses interest as he develops it to you know it's it's final form yeah and like you can tell that with like most of his movies like i love six Sense is fine but it falls apart i think on rewatches but both unbreakable and signs are so well made and it feels like those movies signs he, is incredible he I took love the time to really put those things together and then like i lo- i think unbreakable is still great but i think unbreakable does have a little dirt or tarnish on it now because of glass um and i feel like with with split and the visit that was him kind of climbing his way back and then he kind of shit the bed a little bit again with glass so everybody with old is kind of like okay like, which m night are we getting what yeah That's, yeah or are we getting a combination of the two which yeah. is not great either as long know? as we don't get the happening um or last airbender or airbender yeah but again airbender and after earth like you said feel like more gun for hire shit when he right. was on the lowest point of his career where he's just like all right i'm a name let me at least cash in on that because my original stuff isn't really working. Well, even um, Lady in the Water, like I don't hate Lady in the Water. I think actually, but Lady that's kind of Wa- where his—that's where it all went wrong because yeah. that's where like he, so he left Disney at that point because he wanted to make Lady in the Water at Disney, but the, the executives there were like, "Well, this doesn't feel like a finished <clears throat> film. Like this is a childhood nursery rhyme that you tell to your kids," which it was. But he was like his ego got in the way at that point. He was like, no, this is, this is coming from me. This is personal. This is going to be amazing. And again, I think there are things in that movie that are okay. 
that work as kind of like a modern fairy tale but then there's stuff that just like with bob alabama's film critic with the narf like some of the names are goofy right. and funny and over, over the top i guess and, the happening was really where his career went to shit That's yeah the it, happening yeah. was almost like him putting all his chips on the table and being like first r-rated m r-rated night. Yeah, yeah m night r-rated m night but also m night wanting to bring back the r-rated horror like in all of the promos for that movie yeah. he's like this is gonna be on the level of the exorcist and then you're <sighs> like nope <laughs> no uh i would love to do a rewatch of uh all of his films again but like i i regularly regularly uh watch uh six sense and signs uh, but the village is something like i, I just want to go see deacon cinematography in 1080p even like i would love a 4k obviously but well like, it's on isn't it on um, disney plus now? yeah it should be it's on disney plus now yeah. so like a lot of his early stuff is because it was all with disney right um uh so yeah i mean i god i can't remember Lady oh the, the village i all. remember oh the vi- so i remember it falls so apart with the twist excited too, like, for the village yeah. i saw it twice in theaters yeah. um because i want i don't it was like, hate, i don't hate it i i don't hate it i, I, I don't it. think it's very good but i'm going to say this that was one of those movies like star wars episode one that I was force feeding where yeah. it's like, no, it's, it's gotta be good. I'm just not getting it. I'm just, I just yeah. like, but the stuff with Adrian Brody is terrible. I yeah. think Bryce Ellis Howard is actually good. I wish there was more Joaquin. Like you yeah. said, um, the Roger Deakins cinematography is beautiful, but like, it's going to be good no matter what, because it's Roger sure. Deakins. Right. And he's working, you know, with a huge budget and a filmmaker that does have talent. Um, but then again, like where the story goes, it feels like it would have been a great idea for like a short story, but the feature version of it is just like, really? Yeah, no, I, I agree. So, um, yeah, I don't know which M night we're going to get, but I was intrigued by the trailer. Like what did you, were you or? Yeah. I mean, I'm always, again, like I'm always, he's one of those guys I'm always rooting for. I, I want him to succeed. I want him to make another movie on the level of signs and on unbreakable. I haven't given up on him. I haven't given up on him. Do you think him. this has that potential? I don't know. I don't want, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to have those expectations. I don't want to yeah. put my heart on the table yeah, again. Yeah, you know, I know, like I, 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 I want to, if, if, if it is, and it's a surprise, then I'll be like, yes, like that's, that's I great. Know. I, I hope my, but... like, M night, you, you're you're bringing me back to that feel good zone of when you were great. But I don't want to. I I just don't want to put my heart out there, man. I just don't want to do it because, like, I just feel like like Robert Zemeckis. Like, I'll always love the guy right, because yeah. of Back to the Future. But you've given up on him. <laughs> I'm done. I'm yeah, done. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm I will I will never. I'm not going to hold out hope that he'll ever make another good movie again. It, I just yeah. don't think he can. Um, where M night, I still think he can make. A good, good movie. Movies. I still think yeah. he has it in him to make at least. But can one he more. make a great movie? Yeah, but again, um, that's all about his ego, man. Yeah, I know. It, it, it's I. I'm very excited either way. So yeah, the cast: Gail Garcia Bernal, Vicky Creeps, Ken Lung is in it. Um, uh, Eliza Scanlon, uh, Thomasin McKenzie, Alex Wolf. Like, cast is off the charts too. So um, and I like uh, the setting. Have... I like the idea of it taking place at a beach single where you location. can't escape and yeah. like, yeah. And like just rapidly aging, I think is so cool. And like, yeah, we don't have to wait long. Like really it's just over a month away. Well, like this, this well, might be, we might have to wait long well, because it's dude, new. like it's looking like if everything goes to plan here in Ontario, which it probably won't, um, <laughs> theater should open right around the time old comes out like ideally so 
it might be one of the first movies we see in theaters unless we have to catch up with a quiet place and um and fast nine before then well i'm but, not going to see it in a theater until i'm fully i'm not going but to i think by then we I'm will fully vaccinated or no you're you're scheduled for like early august yeah. right yeah where i'm scheduled for mid mid to late july so yeah um based on when we got our first one so i I'm, i've been theorizing i made a joke that the first movie um i'll be able to go back and see uh will be free guy <laughs> but it's uh lucky me well i get to see the protege um, with michael keaton <laughs> yeah there you go can't go wrong with more keaton um or maybe you can sometimes uh what well, else do we want to specifically the movie yeah. maybe but um, he's never bad uh i did watch the reminiscence trailer um oh, yeah which i i kind of liked it oh no lie. but it does remind me of the um wally fister transcend transcendence yeah that's what it did remind me of um but i wasn't against it like i i i didn't hate the trailer and i i want it to be at least enjoyable but um i don't know i mean it's i don't know you didn't you didn't vibe with it no it reminded me too much of Of the wally fister (laughs) joint um it just gave me post-traumatic stress um, that movie is awful. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. And that's a that's an amazing movie to see like a bunch of like talented people just shit on themselves. Um this I just felt like I I didn't necessarily feel like oh this is going to be like a, a disaster in that way. I just felt like it was very generic. Yeah. Like it just it kind of looked like what I was expecting Blade Runner 2049 to be if it wasn't directed by Denis Villeneuve. You know, like that's kind of like what it's riffing on a lot of and, you know, transcendence and, and just like I'm thinking like, oh, God, if there's a reveal that this, take, like, it won't take place in the transcendence universe, but, <laughs> but like it just feels like it could, you know. Well, I know with, you know, directed by Lisa Joy, who is, um, you know, her partner is Jonathan Nolan. Um, the Westworld creators. Yeah. And obviously there's some connect uh, connective kind of tissue there, but um. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, I love Rebecca Ferguson and Tandy Newton. And like, again, I I like Hugh Jackman enough, too, as like someone who has presence. But Hugh Jackman can be boring at times. Yes, I agree. I agree with that. I I love him when he's when he the 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 P movies are his best films, Uh, the prestige and prisoner in terms of performance. I also really love him in Logan. Logan, I think he's he's amazing in Logan. But like outside of the superhero stuff, I would say that both prisoners and the prestige are the, his best but he can also be really really bland talk about another person that kind of gets forced upon you and he seems like such a likable mm-hmm. nice guy and i think that's that goes a long way for like who he is as a person but career wise it kind of does feel like you know we were talking about chris pratt being put upon us as a movie star it kind of feels that way a little bit with jackman where i i I think jackman does have the movie star qualities but i just feel that like it depends on the material he's working with as well totally i agree with you that this this does look like something that i to me all i need this to be is like a fun not fun like a decent saturday afternoon watch like i'm not saying this is going to be in my top 10 of the year or anything like that i hope it is but like i don't know i to me i don't need it to be anything like special i was just like you know what this seems like an hbo max movie that i would throw on which makes sense right like i don't know i i didn't and i like you know lisa joy and and jonathan nolan enough like i think westworld did fall apart a bit but well did you um, watch any of season two or three uh half of three quarters of season two um and then i didn't bother with season three what about you uh only season one 
Yeah, which you stopped at the right part, I think. Yeah. So, like, I think season one is genuinely really, really good, but... But sometimes the um, show can't sustain itself, right? Like, yeah. it's just... It, sometimes it's, like... That probably should have been a miniseries. Right. Yeah. And she's doing... uh the fallout show with Nolan, um, which I talked about earlier, or actually I talked about on Loki, so I can't go listen to our review tomorrow, but, um, or today if it's available. Yeah. If you're listening to it on Wednesday or Tuesday, it should be, uh, available for you guys at some point. Um, anyways. Yeah. I I don't know. I didn't hate the trailer. I'm not like, again, I'm not like, Holy fuck. I I forgot about it completely until you brought it up. I was like, I watched it, but I was like, Oh Yeah. The thing that looks like transcendence. <laughs> um, and then the last kind of thing, um, there were some other trailers that I don't think either of us watched, like Paw Patrol, the movie, or uh, Boss Baby, Family Business, or um, which I, I didn't even bother with the first Boss Baby. And, oh, um, man, I remember watching that. Uh, and I then, went to the press screening. <laughs> and then Paw Patrol, very Canadian, but it seems like they're going Hollywood with the cast. But um I know Paw Patrol is huge with kids, but I have no idea. Well, so is Spirit. I mean, I reviewed Spirit Untamed for Rogers, and um, you know the 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 Matt Damon narrated because it's an internal dialogue of from the horse's point of view, which came out in the early two thousands, is a very well made movie. It's it's one of those kind of combination two D three D computer animated hybrids but it still kind of has this beautiful textile quality to it. And then what happened with this new movie, because it became then a series on Netflix, they took the series and basically, you know, truncated it and turned it into a feature. So the feature, the new spirit untamed is basically the series uh, spirit riding free, but in a sort of, bite-sized version a feature film version and it's so lazy and ugly and just kind of boring but it also casts like a lot of like decent actors in the voice roles like julianne that's what Moore i guess and Jake paw Gyllenhaal. patrol is kind of doing too right yeah like yeah so i don't know um and then america the motion picture uh trailer came out um which looks kind of fun um with uh um channing tatum isn't phil lord uh, and chris miller involved in yeah this? i think they're involved in it a little bit and uh, it definitely looks like um their kind of thing so i think we'll review that but i thought the trailer was funny it looks ridiculous um uh, i'm into that uh eric let's get into news slash preview do you want to let's preview tribeca quickly first so we are yes. uh virtually attending uh, the Tribeca Film Festival starting on Wednesday. Um, we're putting together our schedules, um, you know, in the next day or so, because the festival is going to start soon. We just got all our information today. Um, I know you sent me over some films that you were excited about, but well, not how, excited. How... I just kind of like pick some stuff. That's that what I mean. Stuff that you want to cover or want to watch. Anyway, yeah. sorry, I don't mean to. You know, Eric's excited for you. all of these. How dare you? <laughs> um, yeah. How do you feel going into this? This will be our, um, you know, fourth festival in a 12-month span with TIFF and uh, Sundance. And then we sort of did South by Southwest, but that got kind of murky because of the rights restrictions. Um, and now going into Tribeca. And then we'll be at TIFF before you know it, buddy. I know. It's creeping up. Well, like, and we'll I, talk about Can in a second in, in the lineup. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I, I think I'm cautiously optimistic because we had such – we've been having such a good run uh, as of late with the exception of South by Southwest. And, you know, like, that's just the way it is sometimes. But I think that kind of dampened it a little bit going into this. But um, 
I'm a little bit nervous just with how Tribeca has been scheduling things or their lack of scheduling. Like it kind of feels almost a little bit like a free for all um, going into this, especially like leaving a lot of it to the last minute because we didn't even know that we were accredited uh, because we kept getting emails from you know publicists about yeah. certain films but we, were, we didn't get the confirmation email so matt had to reach out and ask like you know did we did did we you know get in and and um we did so like you know this kind of feels not last minute because we, we were, were accredited a while ago but so, something messed up with the emails i don't know what happened but uh that's why we kept getting the tribeca emails but we weren't sure if we you know got in but yes everything's fine now and you know we got all the information for the screenings today it does you know two days before the festival but um you know sometimes i know how these festivals work with nevis working at tiff and stuff like that like it sometimes comes down or you just you know there's a lot to organize in one of these things especially you know one of the first fe festivals in north america that's doing it in person other than you know the press stuff that we're doing yeah and 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 well even still during a pandemic as well like even though there is going to be an in-person component they are also this, this is how we're you know, able to attend is the virtual side. And, and that is also something that can be very last minute. And I totally understand. And I don't want to say like, you know, that anybody working on this is, you know, leaving it themselves to the last minute or, or, you know, like flying by the seat of their pants, but you know, like it's, it's just, it, it gets a little bit more stressful the closer you get. And, and like, you know, we're, we're two people that are very much, you know, schedule oriented so like having something and we're only kind of, two guys too right yeah Doing everything something yeah. planned out is is a good way to go into it i don't i don't like necessarily like you know picking each and morning choosing each morning like, and, yeah you know like i like some confirmation i like some scheduling I'd, I'd, i like to kind of know like what i'm getting myself into you know and and so yeah i i mean like it's exciting in that way there's not like one movie that i am like completely you know enamored i need to see I, the soderbergh movie would have probably been the closest thing there but like that's going to be something that we're probably going to have to specifically reach out for because it's not going to be a part of the virtual package uh per se so we'll you know keep you guys posted if we do end up reviewing the film for tribeca or if we just review it afterwards uh, we'll, we'll figure it out but yeah, yeah i would say no sudden move the which again we didn't talk about the trailer the trailer dropped today if you guys do want to go watch that trailer but um yeah the soderbergh movie i am excited for again not part of the pni part but um we might be able to reach out to hbo max and, and screen the movie for the festival still we just need to get that contact and do that um in the heights which is their opening night film uh we will have a review for um probably tomorrow um or if you're listening to this on june 8th if it's after that the review's already up um so <laughs> we've dated this podcast <laughs> i mean it is we're talking about you know topical things like this it's already dated so in the heights you put uh, anything we, on that topical yeah yeah <laughs> um in the heights yeah so we'll be reviewing that uh which is obviously a uh you know comes out this friday but is a great you know opening night movie very you know makes sense for tribeca splashy uh, big yeah kind of studio release and then and then no sudden move being their centerpiece obviously very you know showy as you said like with a lot of name actors in a Soderbergh movie, which will be on, you know, HBO max on July 1st. So, um, you don't have to wait too long. Um, and then from the stuff you were looking through, so you had a, a small list there Were that yeah, just you up. looking, was that you just looking through, you know, what's playing and just going, Oh, that sounds interesting. And, yeah. Or who's what... in it and that kind of thing. Like I would say yeah. like the ones that I, I am like 
not necessarily like, oh, I need to see this, but the ones I, I'm intrigued by, um, All These Sons, which is from the directors of Minding the Gap. Uh, it's their latest yes, documentary, yeah. which I, I, Minding the Gap is, is, is amazing. If you don't have the criterion yet and you're a Blu-ray collector, definitely worth uh, picking that up. Um, another movie that I was kind of, I'm, I'm interested in because I, 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 I love the subject, but it also just from the trailer and you never judge a, a movie by its trailer necessarily um, is Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. The reason why I'm hesitant isn't necessarily because of the loss, but it almost looks like a movie, a documentary made for beginners for people that maybe don't know his much about him, his shows, yeah. um, his background as a chef, you know, his, his struggles with drug abuse and sort of him sort of, um, getting past that and and like you know if if you read or watched any of his shows you get that sense of him right away and especially if you are a fan so this almost looks kind of like you know that movie that'll get you kind of hooked if you are kind of just some a casual you know documentary fan or somebody that maybe is like oh i've heard about this guy um but i've never you know i i, I heard about kitchen confidential but i've never really heard anything else about him so um i'm still intrigued by it i i, I want to where watch i think it. i fall in more of that other category i know enough about anthony bourdain and i know about his history and his shows and him um but maybe not as much as what you're saying so i think that does make me very excited and i recently wanted to read you know his books that he put out like kitchen confidential and stuff yeah. like that but um so that's why i am very excited for this because i i would say i know enough about anthony bourdain but maybe not to the point of going thinking like, well, I might know everything that this movie is going to say. Yeah. And we already mentioned false positive is playing the festival yep. as well. There's a film with uh, Vanessa Kirby called Italian studies. That might be interesting. Um, there's a documentary called the lost Leonardo, which Sony pictures classics picked up. Uh, there's a film co-directed uh, by Jim Cummings uh, who directed Thunder Road and The Wolf of Snow Hollow uh, that played at Berlin as well called The Beta Test. So there's there's stuff there that it's like, OK, like, you know, like we'll we'll you know try to hit some of these and 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 have reviews out. But it's not like like we're also, I think, very much open to like if we hear word of mouth, you know, online or from, you know, people that have seen the film or or even want to reach out to us and be like, oh, have you heard about this? And like we you know, we, we're, we're more than open to, you know, following those leads and not necessarily sticking to a direct schedule. It's more so just organizing ourselves, like what we're doing each day that we're more a little, you know, anxiety, maybe feeling that like it's coming up. Yeah, so soon. no, yeah, it is. And we're going to try to plan it after this, but yeah, I know even another documentary about, you know, another chef Wolfgang being the first, one of the first celebrity chefs. Like I just remember in that time in the nineties and early two thousands of Wolfgang puck being like everywhere. Right. And, um, which is a, a Disney plus movie, I believe. Yeah. And, um, and it is from the director of, um, Jiro dreams of sushi, which is actually yeah. a very good. And again, speaking of Anthony Bourdain, one of the, one of the places that Anthony Bourdain mm -hmm. loved the most, like his one, of, he said like his favorite meal or the meal that he would eat before someone would either kill him or he would die was Jiro sushi. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well on the doc side of things. You, you brought up some of the other stuff that I'm excited for. I know Darren Aronofsky produced a movie that is playing the festival. I think it's a short. Um, uh, 
no oh it's a it's feature a, a feature catch the fair one yeah i thought it was a short um yeah it's um a revenge thriller produced by Darren Aronofsky, a Native American woman embarks on the fight of her life when she goes in search of her missing sister. And she's a former boxer. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, maybe just by name, I because you go, oh, I like Darren Aronofsky. So if he, you know, I like approval, Yeah, he puts his stamp of approval on something. I'm like, all right, I'm intrigued by that. So, yeah, catch the fair one. It's not very um, long, though. It's only an hour 25. Eight, yeah, 85 minutes. You love it, man. <laughs> you love to see it. Automatic one star um, bump. So, yeah, I mean, I think like we're going to try to cover as much as we can um, without, you know, or remembering that we're just two people. But like I think it'll be, you know, like Sundance and like TIFF, we're going to try to put out individual reviews for as much as we can possibly uh, watch. Um, but we are going to put our schedule together um probably right after this um because we got to start prepping that and it's interesting to see which which movies we'll be able to cover and which ones not because some things don't have uh pni uh, screenings like uh werewolves within uh, which eric you've already seen you can't talk about yet but no, um i can only tell you um, that i've interviewed josh rubin yeah and um and he has a cameo in plan b um so yeah i i I, I will probably have something up for that, but it doesn't look like they're doing a PNI screening for that, which is interesting. Um, trying to go through the last film show intrigued me about a, a nine-year-old boy um, uh, who, so it says a mischievous nine-year-old boy is the unlikely hero of this masterful movie from Pan Nalan, um, uh, who transports the viewer back in awe and innocence of childhood. Sam A and his cohort of rascals hitch a ride on the train that passes the remote village and find their way to a rundown movie theater that offers all the entertainment with that their little hearts desire. Uh, I love old movie theaters and like people just exploring like an old rundown movie theater. And if these kids just, well, especially you know, now, right? Yeah. Get to fuck around in a movie theater that, um, um, and I feel like whenever I watch a film from India, I always really like it, and I should seek out more films from India. Um, oh, yeah, man. And yeah, I just like, trilogy. It's yeah, right I, I I probably should. I just you know me, I'm a garbage boy, and I only watch new movies, and I never watch old ones, and that's I don't know why. I just so many things, Eric. <laughs> There's so many things. Um, the only thing I didn't like about that was the, and it's not the film's fault or the director. It's the description of masterful. I, sometimes when certain words like that of are this masterful movie, yeah, yeah. it's kind of. I like, mean, a lot you're of setting time that film up for certain expectations. Yes, I agree, and I know it's the the programmer who's writing this note, right? It's much like TIFF, um, but yeah, I, I totally understand uh, what you're saying. With and that, I'm not just saying but... for Tribeca. I'm saying just like like writing that way in general for any filmmaker whether they are masterful filmmakers or not or the film is masterful it's it's just one of those things where it's like i know you need something kind of to really hook you or or, or or grab you by it but like it's mm -hmm. it's again it feels like you're you're setting these lofty expectations yeah um i like sports movies too so 12 mighty orphans um you know with luke wilson um uh, martin sheen <laughs> You're the robert, other wilson brother robert duvall and wayne knight come on you okay. got a wayne knight movie i gotta watch that i love wayne Knight. which is uh, so bizarre because wayne i know that you it's partly jurassic i know him as newman in, in, in seinfeld i, I, I know i know say newton <laughs> Uh, newton and seinfeld um yeah no I, I i've seen enough seinfeld it's just never something that i've like watched from start to back um i really should but i just again too much eric there's too much um the werewolves with it, i know you can't talk about it but nope. i will i will say 
I'm looking forward to it just because like I know it's pursued, uh, produced by Ubisoft. It is a video game movie. Um, and again, like it, it's always interesting, especially with smaller games like this, when they, they turn into a smaller movie. And I've wanted to watch Josh Rubin's uh, last film for a while. I just scare haven't gotten me, around which to is, scare which is me. quite yeah. good. Yeah and, yeah, and he does a lot with uh very little in scare me. Uh, we gotta watch Aha the movie. Like, <laughs> come on, take on me. <laughs> One of the greatest songs of all time. Um, well, they also did um, uh, the Living Daylights, the the Bond song for. Yes, the they Bal- did. Dalton yes, movie. hell yeah, fuck yeah. Um, so I will watch the shit out of an Aha documentary. Aha. Um, uh, going through. There's a lot of yeah, some music docs. Um trying to see lost leonardo sounded re- really interesting I said that. um yeah oh did you say that already yeah, sony pictures yeah. classics yes yeah yeah um i'm just i'm going through all of the movies right now so i'm kind of just uh stockholm syndrome about asap rocky <laughs> and i think when he got uh yeah when he went to prison in, in stockholm because he got into a fight if you gotta go to like, prison anywhere stockholm i think is. The uh, that sounds interesting i want to watch that um uh, and then there's some other smaller stuff that, yeah, we'll, we'll go through and we'll put out a, a, a full schedule maybe, or, or a tentative schedule of the movies that we're going to try to cover over on maybe Letterboxd. Maybe we'll just surprise you, you know? Yeah. You never know. It could be one of any, any one of those things, but I would like to try to put up, Hey guys, here's our Tribeca schedule over on Letterboxd. Cause that's Letterboxd HQ. Go follow us on titled podcast. Um, that's where all of our updates for stuff will be. So um we'll try to give you guys an update on what we're covering but i think there's some good stuff here and i'm excited like and i like that you know at least they're upfront about what we're not going to be able to see right. not throwing shade at you know another festival or anything but like i i really was excited to cover south by southwest and it just didn't really work out because of the restrictions right and we were so limited in what we could cover and then a lot of the stuff we had access to wasn't the stuff we really wanted to cover and and except um, ninja baby i will we'll keep ninja saying that great. ninja baby yeah. is really really good there was some good stuff and we we covered it and talked about it but like that we were able to see um but i like that you know very upfront of here's what you can and cannot see reach out to the other people if you want to try to get access to them um anyways the midnight movies any of those did you point out any of yeah those? Um, uh, well i have uh, i had some on the list that i sent you um, there's only three right yeah shapeless ultrasound and we need to do something we need to do something was picked up by ifc film see this is where this is like what i'm basing it on like did, did it get picked if, up uh, before the yeah festival? by a cool yeah distributor or something yeah, yeah. uh there's and some tv stuff in it too. too and i kind of like them so uh, i mean we talked about tv earlier sorry keep going oh no no I, I was just running off there uh, yeah no worries um movies plus there's so many different um categories um you love categories uh sorry oh they're doing a fargo 25th anniversary retrospective uh cool, cool <laughs> the best cool. movie i saw at tribeca this year the kid fargo. 100th anniversary wow uh, Charlie Ray- Chaplin? yeah i love that movie it's 100th great. anniversary if you want to smack this is a perfect time, you know. You talk about wanting to see I've, more. A hundred years later, I think watch it's only it. like I've seen the kid. Um, yeah. it's ninety-eight minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've seen the kid because uh, we watched it in film school. Um, Raging Bull, great again. Also watched it in film school. Uh, Restorations playing. Royal Tenenbaums twentieth anniversary. 
in the retrospectives. None of these will cover because these are all in person, but I just like seeing like, it's, it's so exciting to go through. I'm looking through their program book, which you can look at digitally. And it just, it, it's just, I love it because like, I love Tiff, we love Tiff so much. Right. And I just miss that so much. So going through a program book like this and just like almost experiencing it with you guys as I'm going through. And like, I know sort of what's playing and things like that, obviously, but this is our um, real time coverage, the way that we reviewed uh, last night in Soho last week. Yeah. Well, week I mean, before, pardon me. that shit is fun, man. So uh, shorts, we don't usually cover unless there's something that stands Specific, out or people yeah. say is really, really great. Um, always shout out to people who do cover the shorts. I think it's super important. It's just not our focus on our shows. Um, but you should definitely, I, I think a lot of filmmakers get discovered with stuff like that. And you should definitely check out the shorts programs. Um, online premieres. Oh, so they're doing some specifically online uh, stuff, virtual and a PNI screening uh, are at the same time. So it looks like the things that are getting virtual screenings are the stuff that are getting PNI screenings and the stuff that's only being in person is legitimately only in person and not, uh, even PNI screenings, which is, I, I get it. I get yeah. it. Uh, there was some other stuff I wanted to point out cause they, this program book is long, but, um, online premieres. I wanted to get to, Oh my gosh, this is Tribeca 20. Oh, they're also showing interesting. Cause last year never happened. Right. So they're also doing a Tribeca 2020 program where the movies they programmed for last year that never happened, you can still, they are screening them this year. Yeah. So there's that whole list of stuff as well. Don't you think that's kind of cool too? There's, you know, there's a movie uh, here, Eric, that I know you're very excited for. It's got your boy from Money Plane, Kelsey Grammer in it. Oh, nice. <laughs> the God Committee. Oh, he looks um, ridiculous. Have you seen the Yeah, photo? he does. Yeah, I'm looking at the photo now. I think Paramount yeah. picked it up for Paramount+. Plus. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So maybe we'll cover that. We it was a part will. of uh, it was a part of the Frasier revival deal. You got to buy this movie. <laughs> God. Um that's funny. Um so yeah, there's a lot of 2020 stuff that I guess either didn't get picked up or Well, some of it um, did. Like like for example, uh the Joel McHale movie Happily um uh, yeah. is is available on uh iTunes now, which you can watch and apparently it's pretty good. Um, oh, interesting. But it, okay. yeah, it was supposed to play Tribeca last year, and now they're they're screening it, and maybe they'll have a virtual one as well. But yeah, no, it doesn't look oh, no, no virtual. In, in but yeah, I guess because you can already probably rent it, that they're yeah. not going to give it to you for free, right? But um, yeah, that's a like Enemies of the State is playing, which we which we covered obviously at previous festivals. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, which IFC could, picked up, which will be getting a July release uh on vod cool yeah this is exciting man like i always love when we're about to start a new festival because both it's the unknown and like yes i'm with you where at this time maybe i would have liked to you know have everything <laughs> organized right but i mean it never really ends up that way even tiff we're, we're tweaking and changing oh i don't um, mind any of that i just feel like we're kind of like going into this completely you know on our own at this point like it's it's you know we're just a couple days away and it's like oh wow this like but it's not as big of a festival as tiff so it doesn't no. feel maybe as overwhelming that's true uh and then the tv section i finally got to it on page 114 um cool. <laughs> i i am excited for some of the tv stuff so 
um obviously we've been covering more and more tv on our channels just because like again with the age we're in right now that sheldon line... season six are you excited <laughs> <for> it? <laughs> young sheldon season six uh fuck um i hate big bang theory hate it um the line between tv and movies is even more blurred with streaming and you guys have heard us you know talk about it time and time again but we're covering more tv we just talked about mayor of east town we have a loki review so the tv section is kind of interesting so there's a 9 11 uh show called one day in america um that's in because of the 20th anniversary coming up mm-hmm. so um uh there's that uh if you want to watch an a and e biography on kiss <laughs> there's that <laughs> what's it called I've, it's called biography kiss story damn it it should have been called uh, lick history it up. i think it's like history yeah. like history it should have just been um, called lick it up I um I f- I think I talked about it on the show, but I watched one of those A and E biographies on Stone Cold Steve Austin. Of course, did I, did I talk about that? I don't know. Um, it's it's very much like when you watch it, you're like, ah, yeah, this is an A and E biography. But you could say like, that about any sort of network bio. I mean, like VHS behind the music, VH1 behind the music, VH behind the music. <laughs> tomato juice is producing documentaries uh vh1's behind the music like like they they're formatted in such a certain way that it's like every episode of like no matter who the subject is it's just going to be presented in the same manner it's the same thing with with a and e but a and e does produce a lot or they used to anyways produce a lot of of really great documentaries that didn't follow that like the imposter is is the perfect example of right uh, one of the docs that they commissioned right um the blind spotting series is um playing um oh i already no, got a a thing for that i, I can i watch. might have two actually i forget um dr death um which is based on a podcast actually it's got joshua jackson jackson and alec baldwin uh christian slater um uh it's a peacock show it looks like but not getting a a lot of these aren't getting you know uh press screening so i we don't really need to talk about them but they are playing the festival i am excited for kevin can fuck himself um uh which has annie murphy from schitt's creek and um kind of it looks like a wandavision-esque like satirical sitcom kind of thing where uh, obviously poking fun at the um uh kevin can wait and the um kevin kevin james comedies of like i think they all always have like a beautiful wife who's always like the side character and it's always about the man and like he's kind of a schlubby idiot kind of thing where this is like it's here's the description kevin can fuck himself probes the secret life of the sitcom wife uh alternating between single camera realism and multi-camera comedy the format uh inform the formats inform one another as the audience imagines what happens when she escapes her confines and takes the lead of her own life. And I thought the trailer was cool and surreal and interesting. And I like Annie Murphy a lot. Like I don't love Shit's Creek. I've tried it multiple times to get into it. And you know, there are some episodes are better than others. Um, I think when it actually gets more emotional rather than just pure sitcom the show is better. And I think probably as the series goes along, like that's why people tend to love it. Um, and this is an AMC show and I don't know, I really kind of dug that trailer. So I'm looking forward to that. I wish we could screen the episodes, but I think it'll be airing soon. Yeah. Like, she was just also cast or, or she started shooting the second season of Russian doll as well. Yeah. I mean, good for her. She's great. Um, and then uh, Disney plus double feature monsters at work. 
<laughs> so they're they're premiering Monsters at Work at Tribeca, which I think is interesting. We'll give you Wolfgang, um, but you have to take Monsters at Work. Yeah, and they also have the Mysterious Benedict Society, which is the double feature um, with that. So both of those are are interesting uh, things to be premiering at Tribeca. And then you have the Taika Waititi produced uh, Reservation Dogs, which is also and that's FX um, in the U.S. and mm-hmm. uh, that'll be Disney Star Plus here, right? Mm, FX stuff is weird because I thought it was one of those things that wasn't owned by FX, like it was newer Rogers because it's yeah. newer. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Maybe because I think we got that recent press release, right? Which we can kind of look at right now if you want. So, um, yeah, so that's Tribeca, guys. Like um, the, the TV stuff we just talked about, we probably depending on what we can get screeners for, we probably won't cover. But um, they also have other things like storyscapes and video game stuff. I think they even virtual arcade. Um, so it's a cool festival. Like, um, I just hadn't really thought about it cause it's not, it's one of those ones that is always at a time in the summer where, you know, if we're going to go to New York, we're probably going to the New York film festival, right? Like, which we did, you know, that horrible trip we took for your 30th birthday. No, it was a great trip until I got horribly sick, which we've talked about a few times and took the bus. God, we're morons. Uh, great pump. Um, you did have grape soda, yeah. We had Matt, nuggets I have breaking at like three news. in the morning. Oh, breaking news hit me. Are you ready for it? Well, we're done the Tribeca preview. We're now on to the news. We're down in Ireland on we're... Apple Podcasts. Oh. <laughs> Two thirty-six. Damn, what did we do wrong? What did we do wrong? Chartable is always interesting because it always depends on how much content we put out and like what reviews are out and stuff like that. And obviously this show we've been doing less regularly. We've been doing, you know, every two weeks and I would love to get back to a weekly episode and maybe not make them two hours, make maybe make them one hour or. Yeah. Well, I think you um, can when there's more news and, and, and things like that. Once things are back up. Yeah. Like this year is starting to get back into what we used to know is, Mm normal um so right. maybe by the time we're in this this time next year yeah 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 i agree i'm just looking at my emails now uh, you know 22 in costa rica though for cruella hell yeah 25 in costa rica wow we're hot in costa rica right now um you guys are getting a little inside yeah, we always fluctuate like our highest was like ninth and then we go down to 100 and something and then up to 70 something. And then I don't want to try to focus on it too much, but no, th- I mean, 30, 34th we're on the charts, in South so. Korea. Hey, you know, 34th in South Korea. 115 um, in Norway. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll get back to that. Uh, we're what so else? hot in Norway right now, guys. <laughs> yeah. Fathom. And then, hey, Matt, I hope you had a fantastic weekend watching any of these films yeah i keep i gotta answer some of these publicists because we could probably get some of this stuff earlier <laughs> we just again everything's uh coming up quickly oh did uh, you hear this okay so uh more breaking news yeah this is actually funny so i, I mentioned to this to you off air but um there's a horror comedy uh with Anya Taylor-Joy and Ray Fiennes has been in development for a while um, that was originally going to be directed by um, Alexander Payne. Um, but uh, the casting gets even more interesting. So the idea is that it's about like sort of like extreme cuisine eaters and and like this sort of couple that end up going to um, this weird castle in the middle of nowhere and are kind of like 
put through the ringer uh and Rafe finds plays like the deranged chef uh for the night of the proceedings but it says daniel radcliffe is in talks to portray himself <laughs> yeah i love that <laughs> fuck yeah that's sick um so we did talk about Amazon purchasing MGM last week. Um, it is confirmed. They did do that. Um, so we don't need to go into it, but um, that's pretty wild. I mean, we don't know when it's fully going to go through. Usually these things take a while, but what implications those have? Like there was the news that Bond will still be a worldwide theatrical release. The Broccoli's came out and said that. And um, um old bar broccoli and yeah i don't know i don't do you have any other thoughts before we move on to other stuff on it now that it's confirmed or? yeah i mean it'll just be interesting to see what happens with some know. of the bigger movies they have yeah or? like i'm sure the paul thomas anderson film will also go theatrical but like in terms of again we talked about it on the last regular episode with the physical media and what that means down the line and and you know whether or not boutique labels will be able to license out certain films or whatnot, or if, you know, Amazon will continue to support, you know, the manufacturing of MGM titles. So it's going to be really interesting from a physical media collector point of view. Right. But does Amazon put out any of their stuff on? They used it's just, to. They used but now, to. now they do. Now it's unless they do something on Criterion or something yeah. like that. Which yeah. is again, you know, licensing out their stuff. You'd think Amazon, who owns one of the biggest physical anything websites, because you have to buy things physically, that they wouldn't just put them on. Like you only can buy it on Amazon.com, but we will print physical copies. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Like mm, I don't know. I mean, they have this whole nowadays. arm that is. I get it, and I get they want to push their streaming, so you're kind of you you don't do it for that reason, but still. I don't know. Um, some stuff we missed right at the tail end of last week after we recorded. Uh, Timothee Chalamet is uh, going to play Willy Wonka <laughs> in the Paul King uh, Willy Wonka. And I think we just uh, the tenant uh, um, production Noah designers Crowley. like is working on the production design. Is that it? Yep, yeah. Yeah. Noah Crowley. Yeah. Um, if, any thoughts on this? I don't like, again, I, I recently watched Willy Wonka for the first time. I think I talked about it on this show. I got really stoned. I watched uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is the original one. No, it's is Willy that... Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is the Gene okay. Wilder one. Yeah. And Charlie, Charlie is the Chocolate the... Factory is Chocolate Factory. Chocolate Factory is, is <laughs> the, the shitty... Tim Burton yeah. one. But okay. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is the name of the role doll. Uh, right. Okay confused but okay let's run with it willy wonka in the chocolate factory dope ass movie really great uh probably never needed to be remade or done anything after that uh unfortunately we got that johnny depp version and now we're getting the uh timothy chalamet who seems to be just taking is he like the new young johnny depp is that what he is now because he did that edward scissor hands he did that Edward Scissorhands uh, Super Bowl commercial, and right. um, well, didn't I mean? I, not that I care about this kind of stuff, but didn't he also date Johnny Depp's daughter for a while? Did he? I think so. That would make sense. It'd be weird, but yeah. If, um, anyways, I I don't care about. I think I guess I sort of have faith in it because again, yeah, and I like both Paddington movies enough um, that. Like, I don't know if I'm in love with them, like, like film Twitter is like, I, I really do enjoy both Paddington movies a lot. Um, and Paddington two is delightful. 
Um, and I guess that that's why I'm ninety nine percent now on yeah. uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Was that you, Eric? You went on and you're just like, <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> I gotta. No. I I would give it a hundred percent. Um, your thoughts? Do you care about this at all? I I I think I'm in the same boat as you. I mean, I loved Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory as a kid. Um, Gene Wilder is amazing in that role. Like, and that's it's it's such a weird kids movie too in so many ways. Um, oh God, it's but but I that's can't... what that's what you'd expect with Roald Dahl. I mean, his stuff isn't yeah. necessarily just like squeaky clean you know pedestrian stuff like it actually is weird and wonderful and sometimes dangerous and and um yeah i i I watched that that movie all the time as a kid um i don't hate the tim burton remake i just don't care i just it's like one of those movies where it's just like great like you know christopher lee was his dentist dad fine um and then ready Ready Player One is basically a riff on Willy Wonka as well. I mean, Gene Wilder was originally cast or pursued to play the role that Mark Rylance ultimately played. As the, if you're watching this, I'm already dead. Yeah, because the idea is to get the golden ticket, but also to inherit the fortune that this, you know, yeah, golden genius Easter entrepreneur egg, yeah. is created. So, like that, we we got it more recently with with Ready Player One. Um, yeah, I think this, the, the most intriguing aspect of it is just having Paul King do this instead of Paddington three, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson is playing Craven. <laughs> so I, I bet you didn't see that coming. Um, I, interesting, interesting choice. Um, I don't, I, again, Aaron Taylor Johnson, fine. I don't hate him. Um, I saw him in a target once. Did you actually? Yep. Yeah. Him and, uh, and when you were in LA, yeah, Johnson and I were were going for some Blu-rays. Well, I was. Johnson was just Johnson, your producer, not a, Aaron Taylor Johnson. No, no, no. <laughs> right, different Johnson. Uh, but he was uh, shopping for like baby stuff and had like a whole cart, and he just looked miserable. Oh, oh, he was with um, his wife. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, it, we're in that phase where it seems like everyone's going to play two Marvel characters in their life. Or we'll so, play a Marvel character and a in DC different, character. Yeah, at some point in your career, you're either playing a Fox or Sony version of a Marvel character as well as an MCU version. Um, the weirdest thing with this is that it could possibly involve Tom Holland's Spider-Man at some point. Which then, I guess this is what we're talking with all this multiverse stuff. That's kind of but no one cares about his version of Quicksilver. Like it's almost like no. Like if it wasn't for WandaVision, kind of you know, recapping that story, like you could have just kept it as like, oh well, it was you know, Ralph Boner who was right the, the real Quicksilver. Like it like nobody cared about Aaron Taylor Johnson's Quicksilver at all. That's like, fair. Even in, I just in Age of Ultron. <laughs> It's just interesting that we're at that point, right? Like where, but it's it just, happens it's not that though. Big, like yeah. Michael Keaton, it, like it, and Christian Bale, oh, yeah. both Batman, Michael B. Jordan, Michael B. Jordan, Chris Evans. Yeah. It's gotten yeah. to that point where we're just. Recycling I mean, I guess Chris actors. Evans is the the number one kind of thing of that. He's one of the main stars of the MCU and was in Ryan Gosling. Not Ryan Gosling. Uh, Ryan Reynolds has done it multiple times. Yeah, with no, I get it. Trinity, Green um, Lantern, Deadpool. I liked taylor johnson enough in nocturnal animals where he won the golden globe didn't he um, yeah yeah which is weird well what surprising. does that say about the golden globes yeah they're a shit organization 
he wiped it right from his butt in that oh, yeah. movie. I don't mind uh, him in, in Nowhere Boy playing a young John right. Lennon. He was quite good in that. Um, um, I just don't care. Yeah, I, I don't either. And a Craven movie. I, I like, like Craven. Yeah, yeah. Craven yeah. is like some of the other names that were mm-hmm. on that list. Like I was thinking Adam Driver um, would have been kind of an interesting choice, but. Was he on that list with Brad Pitt and uh, yeah. who else? I forget. Um, Some other people who are yeah. up, who are in the yeah. running for everything right now. But Driver kind of just with his look, I think kind of would have pulled it off. But If he could get beefy. Well, he, he um, can get beefy. He can get beefy. We saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I like the character of Craven too and how they set up Spider-Man and uh, of, of his identity kind of being known. I thought Craven could have been an interesting approach to that of you know, hunting him. And, uh, I don't know how you do a Craven solo movie, I guess. I don't know enough about the character. I just know no, Han Solo is like, not in this movie. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I, yeah, uh, I don't know how you do a solo movie, but I'm intrigued, I guess. I don't know. The whole Sony spider verse stuff is just like, I don't know. Maybe we'll have more clarity after, uh, they're as bad as DC home, where they're just kind of like, let's just, we have the rights at the to walls this and, and let's, like, yeah. it's almost like they're pissing off marvel on purpose (laughs) yeah and i mean there's nothing they can do if they keep making them they hold the rights right especially if they're making money too like venom even though quality wise it was terrible it still did well yeah and the rumor was that they saw footage from him in bullet train and really loved him in that um which is why they cast him you loved him in bullet train you'll love him as craven yeah i mean i'm excited for bullet train but I don't know, man. Uh, I don't need more of these Sony kind of Spider Verse movies. I just wait like, until Morbius comes out and that turns your 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 position around a little bit. Like you, Michael Keaton's in that movie. I'm like, what is happening? Like what? Like m- make it make sense. I just hope it does, but it um, won't. You know, it won't. Yeah, I feel like they have like like they're. I feel Sony is like one of those people. It's like you know when, and I've done this before where you'll get invited to something or you'll you'll get a request that goes through for a review and you don't check with other people producer wise to make sure that that's okay to cover because you know you've got other things that you're doing or like their schedule just is so busy and it almost feels like sony sometimes is like yeah we'll do this and 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 yeah since we are now connected to marvel we'll we'll you know we'll look at this down the line and then as soon as like they get to it and they're like, Marvel's like, yeah, we're not going to give you this. Or like, we're not, we didn't sign off on this. And it's like, Oh <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, it's like the way that it's working. Yeah. Marvel studios doesn't have to approve everything. They just need to kind of do the Tom Holland stuff. And like, it's, I don't know. It's we'll see. I mean, speaking of staying in Sony spider verse, you know, territory, um, Issa Rae was just cast as Jessica drew, uh, who is spider woman in um uh, into the spider verse too so we should be hearing more casting uh about the second film soon because you know they've been you know in production of that for a while and i'm sure they'll be doing you know the voices uh recording soon so i'm assuming a lot of people will come back from the first movie and then we'll get a few new big additions and i like Issa Rae enough like i know nevis really likes her um hbo show a lot um, insecure insecure yeah 
uh neva says it's fantastic and i've seen a bit of it and she's great and um so i, I mean i cannot wait for spider-verse too but um just bring like, me back nick cage he's got to come back right like and i feel like what other spider-men will they involve and i think well they gotta you, bring in oscar isaac right like, yes oscar isaac yeah there's another guy who's you know playing different versions of marvel characters too but um now like do you have tom holland and the other spider-men come in and do a voice in this you bring the 90s spider-man in yeah which was the rumor that he was in the movie which i wouldn't be surprised if that happens too and like for me i'm more excited to see what art styles they kind of blend together or how they even like after mitchell's versus the machines and and spider-verse like how do you even elevate that further and what other unique and creative 2d 3d live action kind of stuff do you involve right like could you do you know if tom hall and spider-man or you know any of the other spider-men are in this is it going to be sort of live action when they come in like and blend live action and animated or will they do animated versions of them or like you said the 90s hand-drawn style that mixes in with you know this style like i think that would be awesome like if i get that theme song in that movie or one of these movies that's all i want dude like that's all i want like either an orchestral version of that 90s song in like the marvel studios intro for like something or i need an active spider-man oh god it's so good um didn't like the guitars from aerosmith do that or something like i feel like yeah yeah like i I feel like he did um which is a dope little tidbit, but yeah, I cannot wait for that. And Issa Rae is great. Yeah. Um, I'm excited as well. I'm just nervous in, in that. Like, I hope it, the sequel lives up to what the first movie. It's created. very high like, expect yeah. expectations, but then again, not the exact same team, obviously. And, and Phil Lord and Chris Miller are just producers. Um, but Mitchell's versus the machines did like, I mean, I, I, that's two in a row for me that are. Well, they're good curators. Movies. It seems like Phil Lord and Chris Miller with the people that they assemble to work with or have sort of them kind of come in and, and create their stories. Right. Uh-huh. So, yeah. you know, I think that if they pick the right people, um, it'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, but, but again, like there's still, like you said, high expectations because that movie is so good already that it's like, how, how can you top think that of topping that? But it's like, it's even like with the next mission possible movie, it's like, I don't know how, like what they're going to do with that, even though right now it's shut down because of COVID, but there's a news piece. Yeah. But <laughs> Tom Cruise going Did, insane. Tom Cruise murdered someone probably <laughs> like literally ripped out their spine or something like that. But like, like I don't know how they're going to top fallout to be honest. Like, yeah, it's, like, it's going to be, I mean, those movies again, like the fast movies kind of one up, another and i think mission impossible is better quality wise than the fast movies um but you worry about like that numbing effect of like oh well like they're just doing the same kind of thing or trying to top themselves without actually really engaging you and you just kind of watch and you're like yeah cool that's that's great but you know what like how is this any better or different than what's before and the expectations always play a role but like that's what i kind of worry about with those movies yeah i agree with you and then staying in animation um and a guy who has succeeded quite well in animation lately with like invincible um seth rogan is going to be uh working on a new teenage mutant ninja turtles animated film uh i think he's producing it and maybe story or writing at some point but i know he's producing it and um uh, again i always hold out hope for another you know at least fun 
I mean, again, I think both me and you are on the same page with the second Michael Bay produced one with Krang. Give me that, that least, Krang. Like, at least that was kind of fun, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not against that, uh, the second one at all. Like, it's uh, by all means, like, not a great movie, but neither were the 90s ones. But Remember like Tyler Perry um, was in that? <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to rewatch them because kind of funny is doing their in review series of Ninja Turtles right now. And I've just been so busy that I've kind of fallen behind on just listening and watching podcasts in general. And um, especially with their in review series, which obviously I love, but you have to watch them. I, I can't listen to the podcast unless I've recently watched the movie. Like I know there are some people who are just like, oh, I've seen that movie before. I can just listen to the podcast i'm like no nah, i gotta watch it like with them like right before to listen right. to it so then i end up getting so far behind because i'm like i just don't have the time right now or i have i guess all the time in the world how is that an excuse but like uh, with nevis's birthday recently and uh, and everything we've been busy and she was off for a week so like i spent time with her but um i do want to go back and uh, we watched the 90s one did we watch secret of the use as well or just the first one no we watched Mike. both of those at mike's yeah. like two like years a couple ago. years ago yeah. yeah um we didn't watch which, turtles in time thank no goodness. which is the one that i haven't watched that since i was a kid i don't think oh man if they and bring like, back elias kateas to voice casey jones i yeah in. yeah I, I so i'm really intrigued to see because like i love rogan again i read his book recently i know eric's reading it now and we're gonna eventually get to maybe after tribeca or something like that yep. um uh talk about it i really really loved his book and i just again like bo burnham i talked about earlier seth rogan's another one of those guys that i feel like you know came up right around you know he's a little bit older than us but like i feel like i've seen his whole career from start not to end but as being as big uh, <laughs> you want to tell us something we yeah. don't know Matt? no 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 but i mean like he keeps getting you know he we're growing with him i think and he's always one of those guys i've kind of admired and i even like that you know he's one of those guys who was in everything at one point too, like we talked about um, in comedy. Um, but now he's kind of taken a step back. He was directing a bit, obviously with the interview that kind of tailed off and the whole Sony hack and things like that. He covers all that in his book, but then producing a lot of stuff now. And then also working on other things. He has a weed company. He has a charity. He's making pottery at his house nonstop. It seems like he's just like, kind of doing the shit that he enjoys and wants to do rather than having to be in all of, you know, he was in every comedy at one point. Yeah, no, I, I mean, he's going to be in the new Spielberg movie as well, um, which I'm, I always like when he takes about, a role like so, that too, yeah. right? Like in jobs, he was great. Yeah. He's going to play uh, the uncle in, in that coming of age tale. Um, yeah. I mean, part of me loves that. Like, I, I want to believe the idea. I mean, I think I would probably assume that, he did watch the cartoon series or knows of the comic books, but I almost want to believe that he just got high one night and thought like, you know, what would make a really great bong, a turtle shell. <laughs> and then like, that's where like the idea came from. It's like, I gotta, I gotta produce a Ninja Turtle movie because the last animated Ninja Turtle movie from was real bad 2007 with Chris Evans and technically in the same universe as the nineties oh, one, for right? Fuck sakes. Cause it was Chris Evans Patrick Stewart and Sarah Michelle Geller were wasn't the voices. Jason Biggs in it. Maybe Kevin Smith, I think, was a voice as well. I'm um, gonna look it up. Go look that up right now as I'm talking. But I, it is truly awful. It's really um, bad. Yeah. So uh, if we got like a level of animated, you know, Ninja Turtle movie that's like close to Invincible or, um, you know, even like Phil Lord, Chris Miller quality, I think that would be kind of cool. I'd be down for that. Yeah, uh, James Arnold Taylor was Leonardo. Nolan North, who I love, he he was um, uh, Nathan Drake in the Uncharted 
um video games and things like that he was raf mike mikey kelly is michelangelo mitchell whitfield i thought there were bigger names but it's chris evans as casey, casey jones. jones sarah michelle geller as april o'neill i was totally wrong with jason biggs i don't know why i was thinking of jason biggs um but then you had um uh kevin smith as an unnamed cook and lawrence fishburne as the narrator wasn't patrick um, stewart in it as well Patrick Stewart as Max Winters. Yep. Um, so yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't remember. I remember seeing that in theaters and never watching it again. Yeah. Um, and I was says, embarrassed watching that. Cause I felt like I, I cause I remember watching it. I was like, man, this kind of feels like it's for kids, but I like the Ninja Turtles and watching. It, I was like, yeah, this is really for little kids. Yeah, it absolutely is. And the animation style is just ugly. So yeah. And I, I hope I wonder what animation style they'll go for with this. And it's directed by the guy who directed Mitchell's versus the machines. The co-director. Um, uh, yeah. One of the co-directors. Or yeah. is he, isn't he the co-writer as well? Jeff Rowe. Maybe. Double um, check. Yeah. Just double check that right now. Jeff Rowe spelled R O W E. Uh, yeah. I'm just going to the Mitchell's versus the machines and I can fight, uh, find it from there. Um, yeah. Mike, uh, Rianda is, um, the director of Mitchell's versus the machines and Jeff Rowe co-wrote it with him. Okay. Um, so I'm not sure. I thought it was Rhonda that's working on Ninja Turtles, but let me like, Oh, I thought it was Jeff Rowe. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but I want it to be good so bad. And I have faith in Rogan. Like I've liked, you know, most of the stuff. Like I think he, he's a pretty good producer, him and Evan Goldberg. And, um, like they choose, projects that it seems like they actually care about and give a shit about so and i think getting away from that you know uh, you are absolutely right it's it's jeff Rowe who who was um he worked on gravity falls which i know a lot of people really love too right um will rogan do a voice he has to right yeah well if does. kevin smith did a voice in the 2007 one I mean, I think Rogan would do like something really well, like if he did Bebop or Rocksteady or something like that. Yes, that would be dope. Um, would love if it's hand drawn, um, like the animated but, series. Yeah, but I doubt. Uh, Get that original theme song in there too. Mm-hmm. 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 August eleventh, twenty twenty three. I'm excited. Uh, and then finally, any last couple things? Uh, Jonathan Majors is joining Creed three. I thought that was cool. Yep. Uh, Majors is great um seems to be putting in bigger and bigger stuff and i know you 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 were the first person eric who said major is going to be major uh yep i'm always right um, you are always right yeah yeah no uh, i i think he's awesome and uh i mean I, i'm i don't know about like if creed 3 will be great but i'm curious about it just because michael b jordan is directing it as well and it could be him doing you know like him going down the sylvester stallone road himself where like he directs like the next four movies of these and like it gets to the point where it's like rock creed five is like creed creed five is basically like rocky four where yeah you get to that point where or i guess creed four could be could be rocky four but it kind of feels like they're still grounded in reality but you get to the point where like he has a robot butler yeah yeah i mean we could see it at this point um but i don't know uh yeah i'm excited for that uh, i'm excited to see him in ant-man i could even see him showing up in loki as well right with everything um uh, with yeah because the... he's pay- playing kang the conqueror not to be confused with krang yeah there you go it all comes around uh anything else you wanted to kind of we're getting 
pretty long in the tooth long here. In the tooth. I mean, yeah. it can just happen. Oh, right. And- yeah. Talk about you. You were my guy when it comes to, you know, this kind of stuff. So oh, how'd God. you feel about the can? Um, well, I'm, I'm licking my lips like Paul Verhoeven for Benedetta, which was picked up by uh, IFC. Uh, they also picked up uh, uh, Bergman's Island as well. Um, I'm excited about it. I mean, like when when I was up really early that morning because I had to do some voiceover recording. But um, when that happened, when the announcements were being sort of uh, put out on Twitter, um, where I kind of followed most of it on on the can uh, handle, um, it kind of felt like the pandemic like everything else didn't matter, you know, in a weird way. And that like, it was just exciting to be like, Oh yeah, there are movies again. And you know, some are more interesting than others. Some I don't really know a lot about yet, but that's also very exciting because it could be something that really is like a breakout surprise that, that plays the fest. And, and, you know, um, I, I, I mean, obviously the Wes Anderson film, the French dispatch is there, but I think the movies that I'm most excited about is Titani, the Julia DeCarno movie, her, her follow-up from Raw, uh, which Neon picked up uh, a while ago at the American Film Market, same place where they picked up uh, Parasite. Um, and then uh, Sean Baker's uh, Red Rocket uh, with uh, Scary Movies star <laughs> Simon Rex <laughs> as a, uh, a former porn star turned um, suitcase pimp. Uh, who finds a new ingenue in Texas uh, that A24 picked up. So A24 is getting pretty porny this year with uh, Pleasure and mm-hmm. uh, Red Rocket. Um, but there's some, I, there's, a, there's a ton of stuff that, it, and it's a nice, like, <laughs> it's a nice Same girthy. Meaty. Oh yeah, <laughs> meaty. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, but it is it, it is like there's so like it, it kind of felt like okay there's a lot to look forward to here um yeah and no. just like even if we don't see it until you know later TIFF this or, year or or yeah tiff or even later um it's just nice to know that there's something to look forward to yeah totally agree man um it's it's starting to feel like there's light at the end of the tunnel like what whatever tiff will look like this year I don't really have any. It seems like they kind of came out and announced that it'll be similar to last year where it'll be a hybrid festival. There'll be outdoor screenings, drive-ins, in-person Guys, screenings. Guys, we got Venom. Let there be Carnage is the opening um, movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, God. Um, so I'm excited. I'm hoping we'll be double vaxxed by then. I, I think I would feel comfortable doing things in person, but then who knows what they're doing with press and industry, right? Like it could be like Tribeca where there's a lot of public screenings. Um, but that being said most of it might be digital when it comes to the press side of things still, because you have so many people, you know, traveling and maybe trying to avoid all that one more year. We'll see, but um, yeah, festival season with Tribeca can, and then Tiff will be here before we know it, man. Like, I think we have to submit our press stuff next week. So like, yeah, like I think it's in the next couple of days. So I got to start prepping all that this week too. So um, wild, wild times, but exciting times. 
um, for sure. Uh, I think that's Tory times. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to wrap it up here, guys. You know, just a nice brisk two and a half hours of Eric and I talking. Uh, thank you all for listening. We really, 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 really do appreciate it. Um, if you guys like this, if you stuck around this long, you might like our other stuff. If you stuck around this long, you've probably already listened to our <laughs> other stuff, to be honest. And um, I want to just throw this out there. Why? <laughs> yeah no i agree with that and we're sorry um, yeah um but uh we have some other stuff we would love for you guys to go check out so go check out uh untitled movie reviews which we've mentioned many many times on this show uh probably a lot during this episode but um it's all of our reviews much shorter usually half an hour and under it seems like they keep creeping up and getting longer and longer we started being like 15 to 20 minutes we swear and now we spent um, like 50 minutes on spiral yeah. oh another thing about plan b that i didn't mention in in our review of the film that I also thought of you and uh, that uh, uh, Lupe's character got high during what uh, cats watching. Yes. Cats, yes. There's a great funny. cats joke. Yeah. I did that exact same thing. Um, we have reviews up right now for uh, the conjuring. The devil made me do it. Uh, Spiral from the book of saw. That was our one week last week. Was it uh, a one winning week? You'll just have to listen. There we go. Uh, Cruella uh, master of none. Um, and then we also have, uh, a lot of reviews coming up this week, which we already kind of mentioned. So we um, got Loki, which is going to be uh, a, yep. a big one, which is starting the new, uh, Tom Hiddleston, uh, series on Disney plus you have in the Heights, which is also going to dovetail into to Tribeca. Tribeca. Uh, we have the Netflix film, uh, awake, which will be later this week. Uh, and then even Hitman's wife's bodyguard, bodyguard all those apostrophes um, <laughs> will be yeah. there. Uh, and then, you know, like coming into the next week, we'll, we'll have some more stuff as well. Like it's, yeah. it's getting busy, man. Luca. And then all of, um, all of our Tribeca stuff. So some of the stuff yeah. we covered in that preview, you'll, you'll get individual reviews for those starting Wednesday, Thursday, going into all of next week. So probably two reviews every other day or every day depending on how many movies eric and i can watch but um it's exciting and then i'm hoping that we're able to see stuff like a quiet place and fast nine you know soon sooner rather than later yeah well at least we got um, spiral yeah i know I, I i agree eric completely your legacy fuck you uh, um <laughs> Uh, go follow us on letterbox. Like I said, all it's like our, it's literally called an HQ and it is our headquarters for everything untitled. It's untitled podcast on letterbox. You can follow all of our socials there at untitled underscore cast. All of our reviews are there schedules, kind of what's coming up, what to look forward to, um, all those things. So go subscribe, uh, to not subscribe, go follow us on letterboxd at untitled podcast, which is like subscribing. It is a little bit. Um, you can follow me at Matt Rohrbeck on all those social medias. I'm usually bumming around Twitter and Letterboxd, ironically. Yes, and uh, I'm still Eric Marchin. You can find more of my reviews, my video reviews. Uh, and tweets Ro about Saw. And tweets about Saw. <laughs> Not on Rogers TV Durham slash or Rogers TV dot com slash cinema scene, which is in Durham. But you can find a review for Spiral. You you can. And you can find uh my social medias, including my saw spiral tweet <laughs> at EM6211. And until next time. There's always next year, Matt, for the Leafs. There is Eric. There's not.